Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, folks? Happy Friday. Game day tonight. What a huge matchup we've got between the undefeated Bombers and Stamps tonight. And, uh, oh, more, more drama around the offseason of the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hope you're doing well. Andrew Husser patterson Michael Remus with you. And, man, it's going to be a fun show. Although, I'll be honest, and we'll get into this shortly, the latest news on Pierre-Luc Dubois is enough to get any Jets fans blood boiling, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, battle for first place in the West tonight, and uh, a great show coming up. We will head to IG Field in a few minutes. Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com will set up tonight's Battle of the Undefeateds. We'll talk some off-season hockey with our good friend Brandon Rowicki after that. And then a real treat for everyone before we drop the marbles and finish off the week an extended conversation with former Winnipeg Jet Tim Stapleton. He is an absolute beauty and one of the funniest dudes we've ever had on the program. And uh, we got a chance to, to catch up with Tim and uh, hit a whole bunch of topics, his time here in Winnipeg, what he's doing now. And of course, the question we all want to know, where's Buff? Uh, so that's all coming up a little later on. Um, just as we get into it, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club Whiskey, Assiniboia Downs, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, and of course our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Welcome to everybody in chat. If you're with us on YouTube, Make sure that you've hit that red subscribe button and hang around at the end of the program for another world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race to finish off the program. And for all of you listening on podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. When you do have the opportunity, do us a solid and uh, get onto Apple or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a little review. Certainly helps us grow the channel. Remus, get in here. Let's get after it. What's up? Hey, yeah, nice jersey, Huss. Uh, for those oh, on game podcast, game day ready, game day ready, folks. I should get out, get out my jersey. I got you can see it behind me. Uh, off season champion Ottawa Senators jersey right here. So I'll have to put it on eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, feeling feeling good. I'm ready for the weekend. What a beautiful day it is in Winnipeg. Oh, it is so nice outside. It's going to be hot. I usually. Spend most of the show just, you know, as regular viewers will know, drinking Diet Pepsi. I'm trying to mix some more water in. But this is a day, folks. As you can see, the Vita Health, the green of the Vita Health popping. Um, hydrate as much as possible because if you're going to be mixing in a few cold ones a little later on, you are going to need it. That looks like we're going to be getting in around 30 degrees and it's going to get hotter throughout the weekend. Uh, but for tonight, with a great crowd between 28, uh, maybe up to 29,000 people at IG Field, you're going to want to be hydrated before you get after it tonight. And uh, listen, Remo, we'll get to the the Jets news in just a moment. But let's start with the big game tonight. And um, it'll, it's a much better way, a much more positive way to start the show. Talking about the Bombers looking to go 6-0 and on the season. But what a test against the Calgary Stampeders. And Bo Levi Mitchell, who's got a great career record against Winnipeg, uh, and the opportunity to go 6-0 and for the first time in a long, long time. Yeah, following week one, I thought Bo Levi was kind of on his way out. I thought the Bo Levi Mitchell reign in Calgary was coming to an end, and Jake Mayer was going to be the starter. But 
look now. It's, there they are. as tied. Or it's not tied. But tied with an undefeated record. But 4-0. Bombers 5-0. And I mean, look at their point differential. I mean, they've scored more points than the Bombers in one last game. 142 points. Kadeem Carey is carrying the rock pretty well. Uh, Malik Henry's emerged as a breakout star. I mean, their top receiver, Reggie Bailton, doesn't really get used that much. So, I mean, this was a heavyweight battle. I'm looking forward to being in the building tonight at IG Field. Great night. And, and we had a great game last night. Uh, we, thought, we thought the East was going <laughs> to get a win. <laughs> we thought the East was, was going to get a win against the West. But Edmonton with, I don't know who's quarterback, Cornelius. It went to the other guy. Um, Cal Loxley, or no, sorry, he he had was was carrying the ball a bit, but um, what a wild finish there! But the let's L- call it what it was—an it- epic choke by the Montreal Alouettes, completely self-inflicted. They had almost two hundred yards in penalties, and somewhere Kahari Jones and Baron Miles are laughing their asses off watching what happened in the first game after they were fired because uh, Danny Machocha. Did, was not able to uh, turn things around, um, and they blew a 21-point lead in the second half to lose by one, an absolutely crushing loss for Montreal, except for the fact that no one wins any games in the East right now, so they're right in the middle of it, along with the 0-4 Ticats and Red Blacks. Yeah, good thing for Montreal is they're still in second place with one win. Uh, I just don't know why they don't start uh, start Vernon Adams. I'm a big Vernon Adams guy, but um, yeah, I I didn't understand the firing, and they lost to Edmonton, who got two wins now in the basement of the West. However, that would be first in the East. So uh, a couple other games this weekend, but we're focused on Bombers, Calgary, and the Bombers slight favorites. Us, I'm checking here. Yeah, three oh three and a half now. Yeah, so it's three and a half. Da- it was three down. and a half yesterday uh, and four and a half earlier. Opened at four. I think this is probably going to be in. Maybe there'll be a little bit of steam coming on the Bombers before the game. Maybe it gets up to four. But uh, I think it's a pretty good number uh, and makes sense. And as I said, this is just going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal night. Um, don't forget to get out there early. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone will be getting going a couple hours before the game. Uh, 3.50 hot dogs and pop. $5 beers beforehand. Great entertainment going to be a a heck of a lot of fun um so listen we're going to tee up this game as well and talk about the rest of the canadian football league with eddie tate in just a few minutes um but remo let's move over to the jets and just before we get to pld because i know that's going to probably dominate the conversation uh they have made a couple more signings depth signings to say the least although i am intrigued about the one-year entry-level contract they gave to uh, Alex. Uh, now, again, this is the first time we've talked about him, so I'm not sure whether I'm butchering his name. Uh, it, it's Limoges. Um, that could potentially be Limoges, maybe a French, although he was born in Virginia and is an American. So uh, bottom line is he uh, just finished his first full year as a professional playing in San Diego for the Gulls in the AHL. 23 goals, 40 points in 62 games after a four-year stint at Penn State in the Big Ten playing college hockey. And uh, our guy Hacksaw uh, reached out, Remo, to tell us about uh, Alex coming over from the Ducks. Yeah, he just said that. that oh, he saw he signed. He said he had a good season there, and you went over the numbers, and uh, they were strong. And so I, I'm kind of curious what he's going to bring. Is he going to be a depth player for, what, the Moose? Or, sorry, for the Moose, or will he be a depth on the Jets? Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to think of what the Jets 
roster is going to look like, and they still got to find a way to replace what Paul Stasny and Andrew Cup. You know, they figured replaced him last year, but uh, the Jets. I think the Jets forward group still is not is not finished. We're kind of waiting and seeing for some other stuff. I think. Well, and while that happens, uh, the defense core gets even busier, at least organizationally. And I mean, obviously, I think these are more depth signings, but Ashton Sautner, who uh, did play a little bit for the Manitoba Moose on a loan from the Vancouver Canucks a couple of years back, uh, and Kyle Capobianco coming over from the Arizona Coyotes organization. Now, Capobianco is sort of interesting. I read this. Um, someone described the second year of the contract as somewhat of a poison pill because it's a one-way deal. Um, but the first year is a two-way deal. Um, and I know, obviously, when these are the signings that are made, there's all sorts of fodder and low-lying fruit for people that want to give it to the team. Um, you got to have bodies, uh, and there's an American Hockey League to fill as well. Um, I don't think any of these players project to be playing National Hockey League minutes, barring a crazy string of injuries. Um, but any general manager will tell you, you need a stack of you know, 10 to 12 defensemen if you're going to make a long run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Well, the Jets got to get there first, but um, overall depth signings, um, not anything that's going to create huge headlines, but business that needs to get done. All that being said, Remo, it doesn't change the fact that there's quite a bit of other business at some point that's going to need to get done for the Winnipeg Jets if they do want to change this roster significantly from what finished up last season on the wrong side of the playoff line. Yeah, I was... You know, I saw this um, alert on my phone that they signed him yesterday afternoon, and I was like, oh, I think I recognize this guy's name from playing uh, EA Sports NHL. I mean, he's got a pretty good last name, but what, he played uh, where is he? Played with the Coyotes. Like, I kind of wonder where he fits in. Is he replacing, like, Nelson Noje on the Moose, or is he a depth guy for the Jets, and this is signaling that a trade is coming because we've talked about how they have basically one spot for Stanley Hanela Sandberg, but Capianco 24, he had nine points in 45 games with the Coyotes. Um, uh, so how, so I mean, well, he's what drafted in the third round by the Coyotes in 2015. I'm not sure, I'm not sure he fits in. I thought the two years was interesting and signing a, a defenseman was, was interesting as well. So we'll. We'll continue to stay tuned to the Jets uh, transactions. Yeah, I mean, those are the ads for the depth of the organization, but certainly when we're talking about the uh, glut of the veterans and the logjam for some of the younger top prospects in Hanela and Sandberg and Chisholm and Gavanka uh, to have a chance, and Johnny Kovacevic, of course, and Kovacevic, we can't forget, um, is not waivers exempt this year. So, you know, potentially if they were sending him down, they'd risk losing him. Or, you know, he could be a depth player, maybe a seventh or eighth defenseman on the roster right now. All that being said, relatively quiet free agency-wise for the Winnipeg Jets. Still plenty of intrigue as to what trades could and may happen specifically to the blue line. But, Remo, one thing that we weren't counting on, for all the other drama around the team at the end of the season, the coaching search... The one thing I don't think anyone was counting on was maybe one of the other biggest storylines for the Winnipeg Jets would be Pierre-Luc Dubois going borderline Eric Lindros in trying to get out of town. And, you know, the stuff that's been coming out of Montreal over the course of the last few days has been 
Well, as I said, I think most Jet fans are probably quite put off with the way this is being handled. We talk about Pat Brisson's, um, uh, Pat Brisson's comments yesterday about how much he wanted to uh, wanted to play for the Montreal Canadiens, and this report today from uh, Martin Leclerc uh, with Radio Canada said that um, if you want to get it up, uh, the Jets. Worse, the Canahabs are still working with the Jets with the goal of closing a deal that would bring back Pierre-Luc Dubois to Montreal in the long run. The talks almost paid off at the draft last week. Um, the other part of it, which is, I mean, somewhat over the top, they're reporting that Dubois was at the draft with his family expecting and fully convinced that he would be traded to Montreal and could be the homecoming hero at the draft. And I'll tell you what, even if they have a deal done right now, good for Cheval Dayoff for not giving Montreal exactly what they wanted and uh, handing Dubois over on a silver platter uh, in, in the middle of the biggest moment for the Habs franchise in a long time. Yeah, reading this is just like, it does feel like a bit of a kick in the, another kick in the nuts after the offseason that we've had. Uh, we had the drama of Trot's watch. It was fun ended with him opting not to coach. And then I was joking, okay, you know, after Trot's watch, it's not going to end. We're going to have Dubois watch. I thought the watch was going to be wait for him to sign a long-term deal with the Jets and how many years and how many dollars. I didn't think it was going to be watching Montreal media interview his agent about how he wants to play for the Habs and watching... Who is so is this? So, where we're report, where we're mentioning is Martin Leclerc from Radio Canada said on a podcast that yes, Dubois was at the draft with his family. Does that include his dad, Eric Dubois, who's the assistant <laughs> coach of the Moose? This could be, is it really awkward at True North office? It sounds awkward right now. It's so, it sounds really awkward. I don't know, maybe hiring. Father-son tandems. I don't know if it's worked. Doesn't seem to have worked Heinz out. Heinz Ehlers would never pull that move. It doesn't seem to work <laughs> out. I mean, you had Adam say him and Dave didn't really talk a lot outside of work during the season. And now Eric Dubois is accompanying his son to well, the Well, we draft. don't know that. Again, Sorry, we don't know that. We don't know that. That's speculation. Sorry, but that's you're right. The fact that he that, is working for the organization, I think yeah. that was a big reason why they thought they may have the inside track on Getting him in that trade, making him feel at home, making him feel comfortable, and getting him to sign so, long-term—that is quite clearly not the case right now, as we speak in the middle of the summer. So it says they're unsure. So who's said Maxime Truman? This is all from French media. They're unsure if negotiations are still ongoing, and unsure if the 13th pick was part of the original deal that led them to acquiring Doc Dubois. Clearly wants to play for Montreal sooner than later. And his agent said as much on TVA. Um, so I don't know. I don't think the Jets are going to trade him unless it's like a really good deal for them. We've seen that in the past. They're not going to give him away like Chicago gave away Alex DeBrincat. However, <laughs> however, having him come back after all this, like imagine what first day is going to be like having to answer all the questions. And like the first time you see a shift where he gives less than 100% effort. And it brings back memories of the last shift in Columbus. I mean, this is going to be going on for a while. This is, this isn't a, this is just, just like 
it's not, the last thing that this yeah. organization needed right now because there was a huge question mark about the guy that had been the number one center in Mark Shifley. And I know we're hearing that he's all in right now. I mean, let's face it. I think most of us will believe it when we see it based on what we saw last season and what we heard from Mark. I mean, it's great that they're putting that out right now. Um, but again, the proof will be in the pudding, presumably if he's on the Winnipeg Jets and he comes back here as to what he has to say when he shows back up in town and the way that he plays and what he does for Rick Bonus um, and many of the things that were obviously lacking when it came to commitment and engagement last year under Dave Lowry. But the one thing the Jets did have last year was Dubois, who was, I think, really emerging into a leader on the team and a guy that, you know, win or lose, you could count on bringing the effort, the energy that you want from a guy that's setting the tone for the club. To now have Dubois being the big fire right now in the organization, I mean, man, it's one thing or another right now. And, I, you know, what? I think Chevy's in a real tough spot because, as I said, I'm glad they didn't trade him at the draft and make Montreal the big, you know, the big winners of everything. And the Jets taking three pieces for one and giving them that center that um, that so many teams want. The fact of the matter is the Jets do have two years left on this uh, on this contract. Now, Ken said yesterday and folks, we had a great conversation with Weber on yesterday's show. If you missed it, you can get back that and very correctly said that the best thing for Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he wants to get some massive big money contract, is to, you know, get back on the line with Kyle Connor and, um, you know, put up 80 or 90 points next year and continue to increase his value. But it really does seem like there is a, there's pressure tactics right now from the Dubois camp aided by the Montreal media that are putting the Jets into a bind. And, um, you know, at a certain point, you have to say, F off. Uh, we're going to do what's best for the hockey club. And I think that's what Kevin Cheveldayoff is doing right now. But to your point, Remus, I mean, how this looks come training camp, if Dubois is still in the fold, what he has to say, how that is taken by his teammates. I mean, God, if that locker room didn't have enough problems already, adding this into it is uh, going from bad to worse, in my opinion. Yeah, Prairie Boy writes in chat. What a situation we have here. What, <laughs> exactly. a, what a situation. I mean, maybe Roscoe is the foreseer of everything because he brought that line. He says it over and over again. And yet it might be the most appropriate term in the chat right now on a consistent basis. What a situation. The just the negatives. I mean, we've seen the YouTube comments, just the negative stories um, regarding the Jets just going back or since the end of the season. It goes on and on. So, and again, I don't like. I don't really blame Dubois for being unhappy with the way it ended, but just the openly trying to force a trade to Montreal with the agent on TV—it's just—it's hey. hard to take. It's hard to take. So I'm curious, like, how he's going to be received in Winnipeg. I like. I don't know how what Jets like. You, last year, everyone's like, "Oh, we got to lock this guy up. He's a great." Great players, cornerstone of the team. Now it's like clearly um, doesn't want to be. This is who here. we traded Patrick Liney yeah. for. I've already, <laughs> I've already seen like three or four. Could we do Dubois for yeah. Liney? I mean, I'll be honest. I spent a lot of time talking with my buddies, and again, it's more of a pipe dream. But is there any way we can do a do over here, figure things out, get Liney back? Because honestly, there's been all this talk about American players wanting to play elsewhere. I think the honestly, I think a situation in Winnipeg, and I'll put Calgary in this as well, maybe even Edmonton. Some of these Canadian, you know, smaller markets, I honestly think you have a better chance 
of signing Europeans to long-term deals than some of the more entitled and spoiled North American players. And I'm not even caring about the border on one side or the other. Um, but this is rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, as I imagine it is. It's probably getting people excited in Montreal. But the one thing I do know that the Winnipeg Jets do not want to be is the team can that can just be pushed around and forced to do something that they don't want to do when somebody else does. So I hope Dubois thought this out well. Um, because if you think that the Jets are just going to capitulate back over, uh, bend over backwards and do whatever the Montreal Canadiens want at the expense of themselves, think again. And, um, you know, there's a good chance he's coming back to Winnipeg on a one-year deal and having to answer a lot of questions about the way he and his representatives handled this entire summer and questions about how committed he is to the team that owns his rights that he is contract will be contracted to play for next year in the Winnipeg Jets. And for all the talk about guys last year that, you know, were playing for themselves and, you know, were cheating their teammates, um, I don't think Dubois was one of those guys. But I'll tell you what, there'll be a lot of eyes on Dubois number 80 if we get to this uh, this season and he's in the lineup right now and there isn't trades based on what seems to be coming out day after day after day from Montreal, his agent, and the Quebec media. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of problems with uh, the Montreal media um, with the, after the Shifley hit, and I'm just having so many flashbacks now of Winnipeg versus Montreal coming together and being fully reminded. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on this as it goes, but, I mean, pretty clear, um, as, you know, just, yet, just another in the long list of issues with the Winnipeg Jets, and... Seemingly, um, as we played the clips from Sheffield yesterday, bringing back the same squad. And the one thing that gave me optimism was Mike Kelly on this show saying, hey, on paper, this is like could be a playoff team. And I actually felt pretty good about that. But I think it's pretty clear. Who is it that said last year that paper don't mean shit? I think it was think Blake he, Wheeler. I Wasn't think it, it was Blake Wheeler. Wasn't and it, it was obviously <laughs> true. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so... I mean, as much as I want to believe that, yeah, they they have the talent, it's pretty clear there's something else going on where the talent, you know, they're not playing to their full potential. So it's just... Hey, did, um, you, did you send Ed a link? I thought I did. Did he yeah. didn't get one? Uh, no, he just texted me asking if you could uh, oh. send him the link. So uh, Oh, I did send it. Uh, oh, did I send it to E-Tate at Blue Bond? Okay, I'll, I'll send it again. I did send it. Perfect. Um, so yeah, Eddie's coming up right now. Let's just see what the chat has to say. This will be interesting. And this is for, for those of you listening on the podcast. That's one of the most fun part about doing the shows with the YouTube is that people can get in. Oh, Rob Mahoney says that I deserve the order of the Buffalo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Go has go. Don't call ball back. Larry Shifty plays hardball. So the agents go to the press to put pressure on them. Has it ever worked? I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, let's see here. Trade PLD to Philly. Reunite him with torts. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, listen, the uh, the cap is open or the uh, the chat is open right now. Get us your uh, your thoughts in there and we'll be hitting that up in just a in just a few minutes. We'll talk more about this with Rewiki. And um, don't forget, though, we are going to lighten the mood. We will have some laughs later on because former Jet Tim Stapleton is going to jump on the program and. 
Listen, this was a hilarious conversation. You're going to be excited for that. But listen, enough drama with the hockey team. Let's talk about an undefeated football team. Ed Tate's coming up in just a second. Uh, before we do that, hey, the weekend is here. Invita Health Fresh Market has great select, uh, great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And the, it's barbecue season right now. What a weekend we've got coming up. Get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. They have hot dogs, burgers, and great non-alcoholic drink options like sober carpenter beer and clever mocktails. Everything you need for a great summer day. And, of course, don't forget the delicious lunch options like Vitamarket salad, soup sandwiches, and more. And the falafel salad is especially tasty. Uh, hey, check out their new fully shoppable website as well to buy online, schedule a delivery or in-store pickup at myvita.ca or pop by one of seven Winnipeg locations for Vita Fresh Health Fresh Market, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And uh, hey, many of you may be heading out to the lake on the weekend. If you're uh, jumping around on the lake and a boathouse door catches your eye, chances are it's from our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Listen, they're the fence leaders in town and the number one spot for overhead doors for your garage, but they're also doing boathouses. And uh, chances are, uh, they, you know, they, they've got it all. Steel, aluminum doors, polycarbon, or glass panels and design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. And if you're thinking your boat host door could use some TLC, now that the high water's receded, you can give them a call for a service visit at 204-452-2700. Hit them up at wallacedoors.com or check out their showroom on Lawson Road, fences, overhead doors, and whatever you need for your boathouse. Um, oh, geez, the guys at F Apparel are ready to go. I, I, I've been mentioning the last couple of days, but I went down and hooked up with Andrew and got suited up, uh, measured for uh, a few new garments. What a great shopping experience it was, filling me in on the all of the options you can have when it comes to custom suits. And F Apparel is the leader in the game here in town, um, and their custom suits begin at just $400. But more than that, a great special on dress shirts right now in the summer, three for $210 made to order uh chinos golf pants accessories and more they've got it all at f apparel tell them the boys at winnipeg sports talk sent you 190 smith street downtown or hit them up online at fephapparel.com and uh hey our countdown is on to getting out to Aikens Lake. Saw a couple more monsters coming out on the Aikens Lake social media feeds. You can be on the water in less than two hours in a world-class paradise off the grid uh, with incredible world-class fishing and even better people taking care of you with the Turen family. Aikenslake.com online and check out all their social feeds. Talk to them about booking for next year. All right, let's get ready for the football game tonight. I got the jersey on already. I am counting down not just to game time, but to the tailgate before beforehand and does it get much better than this undefeated bombers hosting the undefeated stamps and ed tate i believe it has been since 1961 in the canadian football league are we right that we've had two undefeated teams playing this late into the regular season yeah it's a crazy stat that steve daniel from the cfl uh, dug up <clears throat> remember back then they started way later but uh, yeah, back then I think it was a seven and zero versus a four and zero team, so combined eleven and zero. Yeah, this is the latest in a year that two unbeaten's have met, and it's just a real good, uh, a real good matchup. There should be over twenty eight thousand there tonight, from what I understand, and unless we get a you know even more of a walk up, it's perfect for football. It's just this is a perfect summer night, right? Friday night football. Here in Winnipeg, the rum hut's going to be hopping. Everything's going to be hopping. Well, and uh, I imagine there's a real buzz around 
the team. Now, listen, we know how business-like the Bombers are, and sometimes from a media perspective, it gets a little boring, um, but there's nothing boring about winning week after week. However, this is a huge test. We heard from a number of Bombers. I mean, we know the respect that they have for the Calgary Stampeders and the organization and what they've been over the years, and the fact that for the Bombers to get to the pinnacle and become champions that was sort of in the video game that was the boss at the end you had to get through the calgary stampeders and they finally did it fill us in on the the vibe around the team and what it's been like you know through practice through media sessions with the focus of the bombers knowing that they have another massive challenge on their hands tonight yeah it's been interesting uh, different than last week you know calgary's kind of flown under the radar this year right they're unbeaten and maybe it's because it's kind of ho-hum, the Calgary Stampeders are good again, that we've kind of forgotten about them. But heading into that game in Vancouver last week, there was so much buzz about Nathan Rourke, the Canadian quarterback, and how great he's doing, and all the hype about how great BC's defense is and how electric BC's offense is. And then Marcus Sales doubled down, tripled down on everything by calling the Bombers offense vanilla. So there was an awful lot in the, the Friday before last Saturday's game you could feel this kind of venom building with the bombers like you know what's going on here why are these guys getting all this love and and i think they you know we saw right from the opening kickoff in vancouver that they took those guys to the woodshed and kind of beat them up a little bit it's been quieter this week and it's partly because uh, i think uh, dave dickinson has maybe warned his guys don't say anything stupid this year to fire up the the champs right or this week to fire up the champs like marcus sales did last week not that they need any extra motivation, but um, it's been sort of this, uh, hey, Calgary's really great. We have a lot of respect. And then Calgary's saying, yeah, Winnipeg's really great. We have a lot of respect. And it's it's very politically politically correct, right? And um, no bulletin board material. Um, so it's business-like. And I think what happened for the Bombers is, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that was looking and, and finding so many flaws in their 4-0 start like a lot of people were. But I think what happened last week um, kind of reminded everybody, including some of the guys in the locker room, that this is still a pretty good football team that's won the last two Grey Cups, you know. And so uh, I think it, that, that win helped uh, buoyed things a, a little bit. And I think... Um, these guys are, are just, you know, let's put on the gloves and get in the middle of the ring and, and throw some punches here. It's going to be fun. It, it, it is. And, I mean, at the top of the marquee is this quarterback battle with Zach right. Kolaris, um, who's never lost a game at IG Field, going up against a quarterback in, um, in Bo Levi Mitchell, Ed, that over the years has had a lot of success. I mean, he had been somewhat the kryptonite for a long time against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this when you talk about the most important position in the game. Absolutely. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, 12-3 and all-time in the regular season versus Winnipeg. And people will remember his first ever start was against Winnipeg way back. Uh, nobody knew who he was, and he lit up Winnipeg for almost 400 yards passing. Um it's funny with Bomber fans, and I think a lot of fans across the league, we look at Bo Levi Mitchell and it's sort of this begrudging respect. Eh? He's, he is the guy that comes, you know, walking into the saloon. The saloon doors open wide. He struts in. You can, you can just imagine the ka-ching, ka-ching, like with his spurs going, right? He's, there's just a, um, there's something about him. And it, it, if he's your quarterback, you love it. If he's the guy that's beating you, 12 out of 15 games, you, you hate the guy. So um, there is a respect as, again, begrudging from Bomber fans. 
But, you know, you just mentioned it, Huss. It's hard to believe that Zach Caleros has not lost a start at, at IG Field. I mean, I know he came in at the end of 2019, but he got that regular season start there. Didn't lose a game last year at home. Hasn't lost a game this year at home. I thought last week's game in Vancouver was one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. Just the way he moved around the pocket and did some magical things too beyond delivering strikes, those broken plays and spinning out of tackles. He was on fire. So, you know, beyond all the other guys on the depth chart, just the quarterback matchup alone makes this one really compelling tonight. Well, and, and, and just on the Calgary side of things for a minute, I mean, I remember talking with Remo and some guests on this program about the Calgary situation after the first couple of weeks of the year. And I was pretty convinced that Dave Dickinson, given his druthers, might not prefer the other guy playing quarterback. And there was a lot of questions as to how long Bo Levi was going to be the guy. And, hey, credit where credit is due. He's just showing why he has been one of the best in this game for so long because he's accepted this challenge and has really risen to it, you know, with a talented young quarterback battling him for playing time. Yeah, I think that, that came up yesterday a couple of times. Huss, people were asking Mike O'Shea and Zach Caleros and some of the other bombers in the day before media stuff about Bo Levi Mitchell and how he's playing. I think, uh, to Bo's credit, he played through some pain last year, and I don't think he was 100% and it showed. But you're right, even at the beginning of this year, uh, the first couple of games, his numbers were pretty ordinary, and, and Jake Mayer behind him was getting a lot of, hey, what about this guy? Maybe we should be looking at him. I don't think that Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel get the quarterback decision wrong very often. What They both played the position. Um, you know, both are one, both were our amazing coaches and, and evaluators. Uh, they still see something in Bo, and we saw it against again against Edmonton last week, which is a bit of a misnomer, although they look good last night um I, I think Bo's still got it and you look at the people around him got a really good receiving core a really good running back and Kadeem Carey um their offensive line looks pretty solid so uh you know this could be an interesting one tonight because it's a real good battle of their offense against Winnipeg's defense and then can Winnipeg's offense still light it up like they did last week um how much pressure will be on this bomber secondary? Um, I mean, I thought overall the line was awesome. I mean, the big boys really stepped up, but I mean, Nathan Rourke did burn them a couple times, um, you know, for the big, big play. Uh, I imagine that'll be a focus through practice heading into this week. I mean, uh, uh, you know that Bo Levi Mitchell can chuck it, and um, they've got some receivers that have put up big numbers so far this year as well. That's a great question, Huss. You know, last week, for as good as the bombers were, the three touchdowns they gave up were, well, there was one that was short, but there were two long bombs. And I talked to Richie Hall, the defensive coordinator, about that just the other day. And they hate explosion plays. They hate those things where it's just like one, you know, long bomb and, and you're off the field because you've given up a score. The Bombers defense just, I mean, every defense, but especially this defense despises that kind of stuff. And so Richie Hall said, you know, you watch the tape. And the first one was against Winston Rose, I believe. And he kind of mistimed it, but he was there. Uh, there was another one against uh, Nick Taylor. Again, kind of a jump ball. Some people thought it was offensive pass interference, but the guy made the play. Uh, but as Richie Hall explained it, there's a difference between the explosion plays where you're there and in coverage and it becomes a 50-50 ball or those explosion plays where somebody forgot their assignment and, and a guy's wide or running wide open. And so they just hope that they could, that stuff starts to even out, that those 50-50 balls become, um, you know, 
one of them's an interception and one of them's a touchdown. But it is going to be a test for Winnipeg. I thought in the last few weeks, Demario Houston has played really well since they cut uh, Taekwon Glass and they moved Winston Rose to the other side. Uh, but you know that Bo Levi Mitchell and those guys saw what Vancouver, what happened in Vancouver, and they're going to continue to try to attack downfield too. Ed, uh, you know, I mentioned this um, uh, on Monday's show, looking back to the game on Saturday, that while we spent so much time talking about the brilliance of Zach Caleros, which was absolutely deserved, in my opinion, maybe the most impactful thing that happened in the entire game was the Bombers establishing the run the way they did in the first quarter. I mean, they had more yards in the first quarter against BC than they did in the entire game the previous Monday against Toronto. And that, I think, put the BC defense a little bit more on their heels and opened up that opportunity for Zach to, to basically surgically dissect the Lions for the next 45 minutes. Um, do you think that's going to be part of Buck Pierce's game plan as well to uh, try and get Johnny Augustine and especially Brady Oliveira involved early and most importantly, moving the chains? Yeah, I think we're going to see some Greg McRae like we did last week too, Huss, and, and him running the ball. He's very dynamic. Huh? Like, what is. a great replacement when you lose a player like Nick Dembski. Right. He's I say he's sort of the American version of Nick Dembski, right? Because he can play receiver. He can run the ball. <clears throat> That's what he did at the University of Central Florida too. Um, but in respect to the, the ground game, you know, it's been so much of what Winnipeg has done the last few years. It really is part of their identity. And if it's taken away, then you're right. It, uh, it it changes things. It changes the way defenses attack you because they can come after Zach Caleros a lot more, bring different kind of pressure because they know there's not going to be the ground game or you're in second and long a lot because the ground game hasn't been established. So you're right. Of all the different subplots that happened from that game last Saturday, that's one of the most important ones is that Winnipeg found a way to get their ground game going again. Now, you look at Calgary's depth chart, their front six is a lot, in my opinion, a lot more stout than than the BC Lions front six. So this is going to be another great test is to see if they can establish the, the line of scrimmage again on, on offense. Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com. Tonight, Battle of the Undefeateds, Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Calgary Stampeders at IG Field. Um, Ed, that was such a big win for the Bombers. And just, a, I mean, listen, it was a marquee game, great ratings. Um, pretty amazing that six days later, it's another battle of undefeateds. And uh, it's sort of like, you know, you're moving up. And I mean, this game, I imagine, is going to have like a playoff type feel, even though it we're is. just in week six of the season. I know, it's crazy. It's mid-July, right? Uh, we've got a long, a lot of highway still to travel. Um and it, again, it, it says something about the West Division, right? I mean, you watch the game last night, and Edmonton squeaks out a win in Montreal. Uh, Edmonton's two and four. They'd be in first place in the East Division, or I call it the Least Division. Um, they, they've been brutal uh, east of us. And, and this is just the way it's going to be all year out West. It's going to be, uh, you know, so next week, Winnipeg goes into Edmonton. We've got some uh, some life after what they did in Montreal. It just continued. And then they've got Calgary after that. This is that ugly stretch of the schedule for Winnipeg where they've got five of six on the road. Um, I like it. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, the marketing departments love it, right? Because it's easier to sell these kind of games. But, um, man, the East Division has just been a dog's breast breakfast so far this year. It's just awful. Did you see the game last night? Absolutely. Just, uh, uh, <laughs> Montreal, I should have put that away, but they had, you know, you know, and look, 
I'm going to go off on a tangent here, Huss. I'm a big fan of Kahari Jones from his playing days here. He's a, a fine human being. And what they did to fire him and say it was for disciplinary reasons and then for take 13, 16 penalties, whatever it was last 200 night. yards just about. It's just hilarious, right? That cost them the game. Um, so anyway, that's my rant for, for the day about Kahari. I hope he enjoyed that and Baron Miles too. Uh, the East has been a disaster, but you know, meanwhile out here, we get games like this. We get games like last Saturday in Vancouver. Look, the Banjo Bowl and Labor Day Classic, Saskatchewan's rolling along pretty good here too. Um, this is only going to get more compelling as we get deeper in the season. Like you said, it's week six and and we're already talking about these unbeaten matchups. It's beautiful. Well, and the other thing that makes this such a big game, I think for the fan base and why we expect a great crowd. And if you're on the fence, get out there tonight, get a couple tickets and show up because the very strange part, and it kind of sucks because we know how great the summer games are. This is the Bombers one home game out of a stretch of five out of six on the road. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said last week, I don't know what the Bombers did to pick off the guy at the CFL headquarters that puts together the schedule, but he's had it out for Winnipeg. We're also the, the last team to get a bye. Some teams have already had their two byes already, so um, I, I, I haven't even looked that far ahead. I don't think uh, the Bombers' bye is until uh, – I think geez, it's after I, the I Montreal game? August. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in August, but um, it's crazy schedule, and – to their credit, and this is, again, the, the Mike O'Shea influence, nobody's complaining about it. Nobody's talking about it. Um, and they just soldier on. If they, I mean, again, Adam Bighill has said this before. This is their, their mindset. If you told them, okay, the game tonight, we can't play on the field. We're going to play in the parking lot on concrete, and you can't wear cleats. you got to wear flip-flops. All these guys would say, okay, let's go. And, and, and that comes from the boss, who was one of the toughest guys in the CFL when he played. No doubt about it. Hey, I wanted to ask about Dalton Schoen. We got to talk to DC and maybe get him on the program at some point. But what's he like being around? I mean, he's been an absolute revelation as part of the uh, receiving core. And I mean, had a massive breakout game last week. But he see this wasn't a, a blip. Ed. It seemed to be like he's earning more and more trust from Zach Caleros game after game. And while we're at it, Greg Ellingson didn't seem to miss a beat after being away from Zach for all those years. Well, let's start with Schoen. It's a real good story. Um, before rookie camp started, uh, reached out to Danny McManus, the director of uh, U.S. scouting and assistant GM, and said, give me a, you know, a handful of guys to keep an eye on. And the first name on his list was Dalton Schoen. So he's a guy that was a walk-on at K-State, Kansas State, never even got a college scholarship, uh, and worked his way from walk-on, which means, you know, you're the 10th guy getting reps. You know, you got to fight and struggle every day. Uh, and he, at the end of his days at K-State, he was one of their better players. You know, he got a look from the Kansas City Chiefs, from the uh, L.A. Chargers, I believe. Uh, and then just a guy that the Bombers kept on their radar and brought him in. And right from day one, people were saying, hey, look at this guy. He's already figured out the waggle. He knows the different positions. And um, I just like his story. If you talk to him, you got to get him on, us. Uh, if you talk to him, the the – his attitude comes from being a walk-on. His dad told him, you got to be a street dog. You got to get out there and fight every day and claw for stuff. And I guess that's what he writes on his tape, on his wrists before every game, street dog. And it, he just brings that kind of uh, nothing's ever been given to me attitude to to every game, to every practice. And uh, boy, he's really, um, he's really fit in well. And same thing with Ellingson. You mentioned Ellingson. 
we kind of knew what we were getting with him because he's, you know, been a guy that's been in this league for forever and was, you know, five 1,000 yard seasons. Um, he's better than I thought he was even. I knew he was good, but uh, him and Zach Caleros have rekindled the old magic. And he just seems to be the guy that when things break down, Caleros looks to. Uh, and he's the guy that can move the chains. He can get in the score zone. Um, he, he's a guy that uh, you keep an eye on. Those two guys, if you're playing fantasy, uh, I don't know what the prices are, but you know when the Bombers get into the red zone that uh, uh, those are two of his uh, Zach Claros's favorite targets. Well, at the price that they've got shown, he's going to have 100% ownership. I mean, listen, you pretty much have to have him in your lineup um, and give you some more money to spend uh, elsewhere. Ed, before we go, Bombers are on, what is it, a 20-1 and streak of uh, at, at home? 21-1 and if you include the West Final. So 21-1. and what was the one? Uh, it was a Hamilton game in 2019. I think just after uh, they made the trade for Caleros, Chris Strebler started that game, and I think he was kind of banged up. And, and Hamilton came in and handed to the Bombers. That's not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It wasn't a, you know, a last second field goal or something. That was the one. Hamilton at home in in October of 2019. So we're pushing close to three years since uh, the team's lost at home. Right. And I'll tell you what. I mean, touch wood. Um, they'll look to keep it going tonight, but I I'll say this, this is going to be, um, the perfect theater for these two teams tonight, a perfect night in the summer here in Manitoba in the nicest stadium in the league. I'm sure the te television numbers will be good, but, uh, the buzz in that stadium and around it beforehand, I think is going to be something that we haven't seen in a little while. And, uh, I, for one, cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, you and I have talked about how electric the Western final was last year against Saskatchewan, even though it was minus a zillion. Um, but there's something about summer games, right? Uh, when it, everybody's out there in shorts and flip-flops and just soaking it all up, the people are just there to party too and watch the football game. It is, uh, it's going to be fun in South Winnipeg tonight. And let, let's uh, see if the Bombers can get to six and zero for the first time since 1960, when they started off the season 10 and zero that year. As I said off the start of the show, drink a lot of this over the next little while because uh, it'll help you out big time when we go out. Um, tailgate uh, area gets going, what, 5 o'clock, 5.30 this afternoon? Hmm, that's a good question. I think 5.30, Huss, but don't take my word on that. Um, yeah, it, they always have a – there's a lot going on. Uh, it's going to be fun tonight. Um, the rum hut will be rocking. The Yeah, the tailgate area open, I think, 5.30. Uh, it's – you know, again, summertime, there's not, I don't even see the, the leaves in my backyard moving here. So it's perfect, absolutely perfect for football. I heard Wade on OB as well say, I believe the uh, game day special tonight is the pierogi poutine. So um, uh -huh. that might go well with um, eight or 10 brass ones, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Eddie, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck to the to the squad tonight. And uh, hopefully we're talking about a 6-0 and team at next week on WST. Right on. Appreciate you having me on, Hassa, as always, and see you later. You got it. Have a great one tonight. There it is, our good friend Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. 7.30 start tonight. I am fired up, as I think everyone is. If you're a Blue Bomber fan, these are the games. I mean, regardless of the opponent, Friday night in the summer, 30-degree day, it doesn't get much better than that. And then you add in the fact that uh, something's got to give. There's zeros in the loss column of both of these teams, and uh, – Looking forward to it. All right. Speaking of hydrating, as I was mentioning, mm, got to get that delicious Culligan water in because it is a hot one today, folks. And uh, hey, Culligan water 
locally owned and doing it for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba are the water experts and uh, will be hydrating many of us tonight. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether your needs are for your home, for your cottage this summer, or for your business, Culligan Water has you covered as the experts in the water game. 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. Um, the gang at Manitoba Battery, I know Donnie and the gang are going to be out there. Huge Bomber fans over at Manitoba Battery. They're also the home of the $99 Deep Cycle Battery, and you won't find anyone in town that can compete with that price. Whether it's for your camper, your boat, or anything else, you'll get the best price and the best service from the guys and gals down at Manitoba Battery. Not to mention, they'll deliver it to you anywhere citywide. And, um, hey, you'll be saving time. You'll be saving money. You won't have to deal with the big box stores and staff that, frankly, don't know batteries like Donnie and his gang down at Manitoba Battery. Learn more at manitobabattery.com or go visit the team in the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. Open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. All right, it is game day, and many of you, if you're maybe negligent on getting your new blues on, might want to pop into our friends at Royal Sports before the game. A great selection of Blue Bomber gear just in time for the big game tonight. And while you're there, they Greg has just texted us over some wild new hats um, from some pretty cool, unique minor league teams over the past number of years. The Montreal Royals, the Portland Beavers, the Tampa Smokers, and the Hawaii Islanders. If uh, if you do like sort of niche, short run new era lids, there's some really cool, unique ones over at Royal. Royal has so much more, though. Soccer, baseball, tennis, disc golf, hockey, huge, biggest hockey section in town, and tons of bikes, whether it's for sports merchandise, cool clothes on the king skate and snow surf side, or whatever you need to dominate summer, Royal Sports has you covered. 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, contests, and sale information. And listen, just before we bring in Brandon Rewicki, let's do a quick update on the Open Championship and the Barracuda Championship because our guy Aaron Cockrell has not teed off yet but was tied for first after yesterday's action uh, Aaron, 12 points. This is a stable for an event. This is his second consecutive tour start uh, with some extra spots for DP World Tour players. So we'll be following Aaron Cockrell over the course of the weekend, and we wish him nothing but the best. And then, of course, we also have the Open Championship going on right now. And, ooh, my 30-to-1 ticket on Cam Smith's looking good. The mullet is in first place after an 8-under-64 today. He's at 13 under Cameron Young, two shots back at 11 under after a three under 69 DJ and Rory McElroy at nine under Rory still on the course. He's got three more holes to play and Scotty Scheffler masters champion at eight under par. What a weekend we've got coming up in the home of golf. Of course, our golf reports are brought to you by our friends at breezy Bend, one of Winnipeg's finest public courses or private courses. If you're thinking about a long-term home for you and your family, Think Breezy Bend. Find out more online at breezybend.ca. 
or talk to Corey Johnson, our good friend, GM of the decade, about getting on that waiting list for next season. All right, let's uh, chop it up with our guy, Brandon Rewicki, heading into the weekend. Rue, what's going on, man? Great to have you back on the show. Happy to be back, man. Just watched Hovland Eagle from the fescue at St. Andrews. So I'm a, hey, anytime you can watch open championship weekend, it's, it's going to be pretty good. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, man. Who are you on heading into the weekend? Who's exciting you? Who are you, who are you pulling for? I mean, sentimentally tiger, obviously, but that was, uh, that ship has sailed. That, that literally took two swings before that one was, uh, was in the gutter. Um, I mean, I, I, Rory's been so close this year. Like, I know everyone's been on Zalatoris, and I know Rory was, I mean, he was probably the betting favorite going in, right? Oh, yeah. But, I, oh, man, I, I feel like this is the time that he finally breaks through. I got good vibes around Rory this weekend, so I'm going to stick with him. But, oh, boy, if, if you sprinkle a little on uh, Smith before the tourney, you're feeling pretty damn good about yourself right now. Well, especially, I mean, I got him at 30, and by the time we did the lock shop, he was at 24, and by the time they teed off, he was at 22, so obviously wasn't the only one, and of course, Rory and DJ potentially playing in the second last group signed me up for that, and I'll be a motivated Rory McIlroy to uh, flex on the live guys, who, by the way, they barely show on TV. It is just hilarious. Like, I don't know how much of the of the tournament you were watching, uh, but the live guys not uh, not getting too much TV time right now, and I have a feeling that was planned. All right, listen, I would love just to talk about the Open Championship and maybe the Bombers for the next 20 minutes, and we could just avoid all the hockey stories that are probably driving everybody crazy. Um, and, you know, I'll get your thoughts on the Flyers before we're done. You, you, can, you can choose to <laughs> just walk away. Um, but listen, and I know... I, Listen, you were not expecting huge splashes from the Winnipeg Jets at free agency, but we were wondering if, you know, was some of these deals that have been so rumored and publicly talked about, like Captain Blake Wheeler, like somebody on the blue line, um, and that hasn't happened yet. Now, I realize fans are impatient and there is plenty of time, but the fact of the matter is, Brandon, we've gone through the draft where often trades happen. The dust is sort of settling on free agency right now. And I guess Cheval Dayoff will have a better idea of where the landscape is and what those opportunities are. But um, not entirely that easy just to quickly remake your team um, trading players right now. And we know how important it is for Winnipeg to get full value and do it through trade because, as I said, unlike a lot of other teams, free agency, not really that much of a tool, at least to get high-end talent here to the Jets. Yeah, you know... You didn't expect a, a major, major Goudreau-like splash, but you expected maybe walking into the shallow end or something. It, it was basically, and, and status quo for the Jets when it comes to the free agency, not really a whole lot, but like, you got to do something at some point, right? Like, it, it's been so quiet for so long. And I think, too, you know, when a fan base has promised transformational changes, and it's the middle of freaking July and absolutely nothing has happened other than you downgraded at the backup goalie spot. I think fans are rightfully going to be a little pissed off about how this offseason has gone. I, it's it's It hasn't been a disaster like some offseasons have across the NHL. But disappointing, I think, is is kind of putting it mildly. I mean, the, the Jets, if their whole goal was to get back into contention, maybe find yourself 
just below the Avalanche and the Lightning and some of the 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 higher higher upper echelon teams in the league, you have to make more than just bring in a new coach and swap out the backup goalie. Like there needs to be some significant moves here, and you combine that with the Shevel Day off presser after the first day of free agency hit, and you know accountability was the keyword last year. Going into the season this year, for me, the keyword is delusional because this team is so so out there they're so delusional if they think running it back with rick bonus behind the bench is going to equal a long playoff run i i I just don't get how that could be your legitimate mindset going into this year and now that we're you know yes it is only two days past free agency but guess what 20 teams in the nhl have less than five million dollars in cap space a lot of these rosters are pretty much set going into the year like there's not a lot of wiggle room for these teams to try to deal with now, and that includes the Winnipeg Jets, and that includes if you're trying to move eight-plus million dollars in Blake Wheeler's salary, those options are extremely limited, if not completely eliminated right now. Yeah, and uh, and listen, I know he said he was sort of pressed by the media and said, you know, if you come back with this roster, you feel good about it. You know, And, you know, he said yes. Obviously, I'm not too sure what else is he going to say. I really don't think that is the plan. Uh, but I think it is many of the things that we expected to be done over the offseason. And frankly, many people, myself included, that at least something would have happened by now. We have a better idea of how things might change from last year. Still haven't happened. And now on top of all of that, Brandon, you've got this Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. And listen, he played his ass off last year. I thought he was a great player when there was a lot of questions about the commitment and the professionalism and the engagement level of other members of the Jets. We certainly weren't saying that about Dubois. So for him to be going down Eric Lindros territory right now with his agent and the Montreal media doing everything they can to work his way ASAP out of Winnipeg to Montreal um, that was a plot twist that I don't think anyone was expecting. And uh, that's got to be a massive, massive problem right now for the Winnipeg Jets as to how they handle this. Yeah, like, do they not have tampering in the French dictionary? Is that, is, is that not a, like Well, I guess he's an RFA work? right now, right? So, I mean, he's technically an RFA. No, no, yeah, not I, at all. I guess it's technically tampering still when you talk about a player who's contractually obligated to another team. You know, the... Like the reactionary lizard part of my brain, and I'm sure a lot of Jets fans feel the same way, is like, look, if you don't want to be here, don't be here then. Like, let's just move him and, and, and be done with it. I I, I kind of I kind of get that, to be honest, because it's beyond annoying to have this happen time and time and time again. And if you're plotting your exit two years down the road, then all right, we'll give it to you. <laughs> if, that, if that's the way you want to go about it, then, then go ahead and be our guest. But the, the problem is... If, if you do move Pierre-Luc Dubois right now, like what's the package coming back? Is it just draft picks and futures? Because if that's the case, then the Jets probably should have went into rebuild mode earlier this offseason and move just, hey, let's move the whole game, Shifley, Hellebuck, Wheeler, and you know what? We'll, we'll take a run at Bedard and, and try, to, try to build around Connor and Ehlers and Perfetti, and maybe two years down the road we'll be at a much healthier spot and we can figure out a way to get this new core, you know, leading us into in, into where we were a few seasons ago. I, I I don't I just don't see a Dubois trade being feasible right now unless the Jets get back a 23 year old one B centerman. If they're if they're committed to trying to win this year, 
there, there's really no point into making the move, no matter how badly he he wants out of, of Winnipeg and into Montreal right now. And if you're the Habs, why are we giving up any assets knowing that we can sign him for free and not give up anything just a year or two down the road? And we've got some time with the end group that they're building out there as well. Let me ask you this. I think it's highly likely that you are uh, exactly right, that the right deal for the Winnipeg Jets is not on the table for Montreal. And they certainly don't want to seem like they can be strong-armed by you know, a guy and his agent that just, just I, like PLD should have been in the NBA. Maybe this would, maybe this act would work in the NBA say, Hey, I want to get traded and I want to go here. And 10 minutes later, you're on that team. That ain't how it works in the national hockey league. And it sure as hell doesn't for a team like the Winnipeg jets that needs to handle their assets in a different way than many teams that can make bigger splashes in free agency and attract players that way. So if, and I think it's highly likely, he doesn't get traded and doesn't get what he wants. I mean, what what does that do to the atmosphere around the team when we get to training camp? I mean, there was already all the question marks about Mark Shifley and his commitment to Winnipeg and the team based on everything that happened last year and his exit, exit, uh, exit comments. To add this on top of it, I mean, you've built all this. This entire plan has been to get two elite centers in the middle um, and neither of these guys, I think anyone would say they're entirely sure that they'll be there and be the guys that this team needs and expect that they would when they either sign or do a contract or trade it for them. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we've got practice here. You know, Jacob Truba did the same thing, albeit not directly naming a destination and played pretty damn good in his final year in Winnipeg, right? Like that's why he earned that $8 million contract. What did he have, like 50 points, power play, PK, all that stuff? I'm, I'm not even, I don't know, I'm not necessarily worried about like the production side of thing when it comes to Dubois, even though he had that uh, unceremonious exit out of Columbus. Like I, I still anticipate him, you know, coming to play and, and bringing it because, you know, let's face it, he's a few years away from UFA. And if he wants to start building a case and making some dough, he's, he's going to have to perform on the ice for two more seasons now. But this is kind of why I, I thought, you know, it was the perfect opportunity for the Jets to completely shift their leadership core going into this year and to avoid something like this, right? Because, and I don't know, like, what what Dubois' big beef is right now with the team, and, and maybe it's just the location, but you had a chance to move Mark Shifley for major assets. You had a chance to move Blake Wheeler and his $8 million salary, likely for, you know, not a whole lot coming back, but there was this big-time opportunity to completely revitalize the organization and breathe new life into what's been a stale team. And instead, we're in run-it-back mode once again. So, like, this, if this comes to fruition and there is big-time turmoil inside the locker room, there is all this negativity surrounding the team completely falls at the feet of Kevin Sheveldayoff. Like he's he's built this, right? Like this is this is his baby right now. He had an opportunity to change things and shape this team in a completely different direction and I would feel absolutely no sympathy for anybody in the Jets organization if this comes to a boil once again. You had the opportunity to change it. You didn't want to get bold and make some moves and now you've got to live with some potential Well, that being said, I mean, listen, there. do we know I mean, if it was like, do you make a bad trade just for the sake of making a trade? I say no to that. But, um, and you know what, sometimes it's harder and sometimes it takes a long time to make these trades. Like, I have no doubt that if there was an obvious trade, like, it's not like these guys, this team is so married 
Certainly. I mean, I'll put Mark Shifley at the top of that list. What we heard from people inside the organization, from Shifley himself afterwards, I have no doubt that if there was a no-brainer trade for Mark Shifley last year or over the course of this offseason, that deal would have been made. But at the same point, I mean, you can't trade something for two quarters on a dollar um, because of what it does. And this Dubois thing even more so, where obviously there was no real talk about moving Dubois at the end of last season. And it's sort of the player and his agent and his camp are really trying to sort of force the Jets. It's a terrible precedent to get forced into. Um, that players think that they can just basically go KD and decide that they're leaving and then get exactly what they want to the team that they want. The deal has to make sense for the Winnipeg Jets. And that is, and I'm sure, number one on Kevin Sheveldayoff's list. And anytime you make a trade like this, there's a huge amount of risk involved. And listen, maybe you can argue that they're being somewhat more risk adverse, but the risk on the other side of coming back after everything we saw last season, expecting Rick Bonus to uh, bring a magic wand in the dressing room and do a quick 180, I think is probably a losing bet. Yeah, but scared money doesn't make any money. And I, I, I don't think anybody's saying the Jets need to go 50 cents on the dollar, but maybe you go 85 cents on the dollar. That's a better exchange rate than we got right now. I really now, right? wonder about Shifley's value, though, in, in the league right now. Um. You know, we'd heard enough last year about the way he was thought by, you know, opponents, by some referees, um, and frankly, his own teammates at the end of the year. And for a guy like that that was playing in a very one-dimensional fashion, you know, if you're on the outside looking in, how much are you willing to give up that guy even though you know he's able to score? Like, is that a guy that's going to make you a championship-level team? Or is that a guy that's going to come in and try and, you know, score as many points as he can and help him get a new contract, but doesn't really care about the overall team goal? I'm not saying that, but I mean, certainly that would be very understandable for people outside looking in to think about that when they were considering paying serious assets to get a guy like Mark Shifley on your squad. Yeah, because, you know, if, if me on my couch and my sweats can see it, Joe Sackick and, and Steve Eisman yeah. and whoever else you want to name can see it. But having said that too, like, there have been way more flawed players for various reasons than Mark Shifley that have been traded for a pretty handsome package going back the other way. Like we're still talking about, even with his flaws, a team will, you know, acknowledge the flaws. And we see a lot of the times though, they'll push them aside and say, point of game center, very affordable salary for a couple of seasons. We'll take the plunge on that because high end skill is ultimately what leads to championships in the NHL. So I, like I would imagine there was still a tremendous amount of a value placed on on Mark Shifley across the league, maybe not to the point that you're, you know, getting this superstar level trade package back in return. But again, enough that you feel pretty solid about the return and more so you win when it comes to everything off the ice with your organization. You know, I I may I'll continue to make it, but the Minnesota Wild did themselves a big favor by jettisoning Suter and Parise this past offseason to tremendous, tremendous constraints, right? Like they lose talent-wise and they screw themselves when it comes to the salary cap, yet they didn't not only miss a beat, they found a way to take their game to another level this past season. So that's that's the kind of path. Well, here, that I counterpoint on that, and I'm with you. We talked a lot about, oh, hey, geez, look at the Minnesota Wild last year. They were great. They got bounced in the first round, and now they've got 12, 14, and $14 million cap penalties the next couple of years. I mean, will we be saying this was such a brilliant move in the next two years? I think it says a lot that 
the Wild minus $12 million are in a better position right now than the Winnipeg Jets with a full salary cap. I, I, I think that speaks volumes. Even to after the, the Fiala trade? Yeah. I, if right now, if you had the option, Wild roster, Jets roster, going into this season, which one are you taking? I think I'd still say the Jets, to be honest with you. Now, there's a lot of internal things. Like, on paper, I think I say the Jets. But in reality, you know, with everything else that we're talking about, I, I certainly hear your argument on the other side. Yeah, and that's, look, on paper, this team should be going deep for a while now. But the last time they went deep, Dustin Bufflin was 35 years old and playing 28 minutes a night. Like five years ago is a long time ago. It's, this isn't the same team. They've been overpassed by the St. Louis Blues, the Minnesota Wild, and, and maybe even the Nashville Predators of all teams. Just, just in the Central Division alone, let alone what's going on out there in the Pacific. Like to me, when you, when you look at what Minnesota's done and the fact that the fact that it's even a debate with them being so limited when it comes to spending, I think just goes to show that this is a really flawed team. There's an opportunity to revamp this roster this offseason. We haven't seen it yet. We certainly can still see it. But put me in the boat right now that I'm not too optimistic. We're going to see changes that a lot of the fan base is going to be super excited about. And I, I, I do wonder, you know, two months into the season, if we if we see a not a half empty Canada Life Center, but ooh, a couple thousand people here aren't there. Ooh, a couple thousand there aren't there anymore. It's a, we were again we were build a pretty important off season here, and it's getting closer to the start of the regular season now, and hasn't been a whole lot of change whatsoever. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, if the one big move is uh, you know trading Pierre Luc Dubois for two or three lesser assets. Um, I don't think that, I mean, they may have to do it at some point. I mean, certainly as opposed to, uh, you know, we'll see how he handles himself. And listen, as I said, I've got no issue with what he did last year. And I don't know when this started or when he was thinking about wanting out. And I realized that that was probably a pretty shitty room to be in last year, especially when they were losing and, you know, falling so short of their goals. But we're in a very different, like everything that's happened over the past few weeks to me has completely changed. You know, his probably position within the team. Uh, within the organization, and absolutely within the fan base. And if all of a sudden you got a massive fire on the Dubois front as well, never mind what had happened with Rifley and Wheeler and all of that stuff. Um, and I'll tell you what, the other guys that I'm thinking about, like what are you thinking right now if you're Nikolai Ehlers, if you're Kyle Connor? I mean, they were pretty clear about what they thought last year, and I'm sure that those players were expecting, you know, some some changes, some, you know, and again, a head coaching change is significant, and Rick Bonus has... A lot is expected on him, but even more, that's probably fair right now. And I said the same thing about Dave Lowry. He was in an unwinnable situation, and I don't know how Rick Bonus can come in if we've got essentially the same group, adding in the PLD problems that have emerged over the last couple of weeks and expect that, um, like, you know, we're just going to behave like last year didn't happen. There's no mulligans in pro sports. Yeah, and I mean, Ehlers and Connor are one thing. They, they seem pretty happy, at least. So I, I, I'm just not going to worry about that when there's all the other things that are going on. But for me, outside of the names we mentioned, like you got to be freaking out about Connor Hellebuck's status, right? Like, I mean, if we're being honest, he's what's kept this team basically either a playoff fringe team or a playoff team these past two seasons. If he's average to below average, we're talking about a couple top 10 picks these last few years for the Winnipeg Jets. And being the ultimate competitor that he is, 
seeing, I mean, seeing what's happening on the ice is one thing, but the crap that's going on off the ice combined on top of that right now, he's probably just sick and tired of it. And I think that's, that's maybe the biggest concern surrounding the team right now is the fact that their Vesna caliber goalie isn't being given any reason whatsoever to re-up and, and sign long-term with this team once his contract comes to an end. And that, to me, is a decision that has to happen on his future after this regular season comes to an end. And maybe even before it at the upcoming trade deadline, right? Like, the clock is really, really ticking on, on what to do with Connor Hellebuck. And if he's not happy, it's it's unimaginable. And I, I hate to think what the blue paint would look like for the Winnipeg Jets without him in it, but you'd have to have those exact same discussions about, well, all right, what what are we trying to look for in a potential Connor Hellebuck trade if he's not happy with his organization anymore? Well, it, it's a great point, and I guess one of the other things I wanted to ask you, I mean, uh, what are the lessons learned by the Calgary Flames' tough dose of reality this week with Johnny Gaudreau, um, and how do you think that resonates inside the general manager's office here in Winnipeg, knowing that you've got two of your prized assets, Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois, with two years left of team control and Connor Hellebuck as well. I mean, once you get to the next next year, if you're not signing these guys, um, I think it's incumbent to avoid the disaster that happened with the Calgary Flames and move sooner as opposed to later on those players. Oh, 100%. And, and I think going into next season, if they're all under contract still, and if you look at your roster and it's not a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, I'm talking like minimum top five roster in the NHL, then you're moving all three of those guys if they're not willing to re-up with you on a, on a long-term deal. It's just, it's 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 way too risky. At least the flame, like I, I get where the flames went with this. They kind of wanted to see how the team looked under Sutter. They and turned they into great. They, they turn into a cup contender, right? Like they, I, I know it didn't work out well for them in the end, but. I mean, got to the second round, number one seed, had a chance, didn't work out. That's that's kind of the price you pay sometimes. But that was also just one asset. <laughs> the Jets would have three of them on their hands here. So they, they're going to have to make a, a really, really difficult decision. And, and I do ultimately wonder if that decision comes at the end of this upcoming season or if it comes at some point during this season where it just becomes too much and – if somebody makes a, a sweetheart offer, you just bite the bullet and and take the plunge. It's it, it's pretty crazy, man. That it does feel like a rebuild is a lot closer on the horizon than a reload and a load up for a Stanley Cup run these next two years. No, I agree with you, Brian. Brandon Rewicki's with us. Make sure you check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcast. With more on the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League. Um, I guess in the, well, I don't think we're quite in misery yet, but we could be on the way there. Um, but maybe we can make Jet fans feel better by getting the pulse of the Flyers fan base right now. I, I, I'll say, listen, I've said this to you before. I think most of you Flyer fans are complete psychos to begin with. <laughs> um, that being said, though, I've talked to a few Flyer fans this week and despondent does not even scratch the surface on where they are. Um well, I mean, what what is the pulse of that fan base right now? And dare I say, I was talking to Frank Cervelli. He said, you know, it's bordering on apathy right now. I mean, this is the first time he can remember in a long, long time where the Flyers are not even a thing in Philly right now. And the only thing you really hear is complete outrage from the hard hardcores um, that are absolutely despondent at uh, the moves that have been made over the course of this offseason in the direction of the club. 
Yeah, it's not. By the way, it's not skates and plates anymore. It's it's just plates. After what Chuck Fletcher did, this it's, we we are no longer a hockey podcast that is completely off the table. Every week it's, you bring a psychiatrist in as a guest, and it's just essentially a counseling podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a thirty minute counseling session to try to get me back on track here. It's disgusting. Like I I can't even properly put into words the level of rage and disgust that I felt at, at what Chuck Fletcher's done. I hate him. Like, I hate him. I hate his gut. I, <laughs> As I, I said, like, they're I, all psychos, people. <laughs> it's just, it's... The level of incompetence is staggering. Like, like Peter Shirelli would look at what's going on here and be like, this is this is just too much. You, you, can't, you can't run a team like this. And, and we're talking about, like, it's one thing if the Coyotes do something like this. You know what I mean? Like a a franchise that's kind of always been poorly run, like the Browns, the line, like teams like that. That's what the Flyers are right now. Like it's not even a discussion of if they're the most poorly run team in hockey. It's who is more poorly run than them in all of sports. And may, maybe Dan Snyder in Washington's the only one that comes close because I just don't, I don't get how you can legitimately look at what they've done here as, as the person overseeing all that and go, yep, that's according to plan. Nailed all of my steps there. Oh, what's that? The hometown superstar wants to come home? Nah, no, we're good. We we don't want to we don't want to give up any assets because we might be rebuilding. But then you'll ship that out for the KKK blue liner and give him five mil a year when no other team wanted to pay him. And then the and Ristolainen and then this and then, like it's just on and on and on. And the only silver lining in all this is that I get to save two hundred and fifty bucks this upcoming year. Because I don't, I don't <laughs> no need to center buy center ice. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no need. What's the point? And, and like apathy is is like there's the rage right now that everybody's dealing with because there's no direction and there's no plan right now. But everyone that I've talked to is just like I'm out. Like they're why? Why? Like why would I? Why would I spend two and a half hours a night, eighty two times over the next season to subject myself to to misery? And a lack of entertainment. And and like I've never felt worse about the Flyers in my life. I've never felt less interested to watch a Flyers game in my life. And Tortorella's behind the bench this year. But I could like I could care less. It just doesn't matter anymore. So wake me up when the Badar draft lottery happens. That, that's the only interest I have in, in watching any Flyers hockey this season. Other than that, though, it's I'm like I I, I am done. I I will not spend a second. I will not spend a penny, whatever it is. They are out of my life until there is major change. And I know that somebody with an actual brain is running that organization. <laughs> uh, just quickly on a happier note, um, we got a big football game tonight. Bombers get to 6-0. and <laughs> Sorry, I'm out of breath. Uh... <laughs> From one end of the spectrum to the yeah. other. Let's talk about a championship organization that just seems to win every time out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I felt really confident about the the BC game. You know, there was just a lot of people jumping on the lines a little bit early. I, I don't know if I feel as confident about the Stampeders game. I, I man, I really hope so. I got family from Calgary, and they just they they chirp and they talk all the time, and it's just so annoying. So I, I and they're in town this weekend too for a wedding. So I'm I'm praying the Bombers find a way to get it done. I've always felt like if the Bombers when the Bombers lose their first game of the year. It's going to be to somebody like Montreal or Edmonton, like one of those like one in four teams that comes out and stuns the champs. Um, 
I, I think I think they'll take advantage. I, I think they'll take care of business tonight. I hope so, at least. A little bit of positivity, please. Love it, love it. Okay, um, take a breath. Get some uh, water in you. Have a great weekend. Uh, and who knows, uh, who knows how we'll all be feeling next week when we get together on WST. Take it easy, yeah. dude. Yeah, don't call me next week. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Later. <laughs> oh, Brandon Rewicki, and again, Check out plates wherever you get your favorite podcast. The skates have been removed from uh, from it. Great stuff with Brandon Rewicki on the show today. Hey, uh, big shout out to our friends at Not Autocorp. I know Trevor Not. Of course, we've seen the Milt Stiegel commercial. Trevor got a brand new sweet white bomber jersey with just Milt on the back, uh, synonymous with excellence, uh, as is not Autocorp. If you're looking for a new vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Start your search at Waverly and McGilvery, Not Autocorp, and you can check out everything they've got going online at not.ca. Uh, oh, well, I, I don't think I need to explain to you that uh, a couple cold 1919s might be a great addition to the weekend. Heck, it might be a great addition to tailgate plans before the big game tonight. Um, whether you're popping into your local beer store or liquor mart or heading down to Little Brown Jug on William Avenue, pick up the great taste of summer with 1919 and all their summer beers as well, including the Folkfest Lager. And you can also order online for a citywide delivery online at littlebrownjug.ca. As we mentioned, the Princess Auto tailgate's getting going up before the game tonight. $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ Finesse spinning. Great prizes from our friends at Princess Auto as well. So make sure that's part of your plan for tonight. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new, is it Princess Auto? Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. And, uh, hey, if there was ever a day to pop by the Nick and Nicky DQ, I'd say this weekend is it. Uh, 30 today, getting up to potentially 35 on Sunday. It's blizzard season, the good kind here in Winnipeg. And Nick and Nicky got you covered. Four locations in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Pop in there for a delicious blizzard treat. Maybe celebrate another bomber win tomorrow with some vanilla soft serve. And if you need one of their world-famous ice cream cakes, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll customize it for you and get ready to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, we're going to lighten the mood on the program a little bit right now. Marbles is coming up at the end of the program, uh, but we played a little clip of this during the free agency show on Wednesday. We figured we'd finish off a week that's been a little trying for some Jet fans with some great laughs and insight from one of the funniest guys ever to put a Jet jersey on, and that is one of our favorites, Tim Stapleton. Caught up with Tim a little earlier this week, and uh, we hit it all. Uh, his time here in Winnipeg, playing around the world, what it was like to be a Jet in that first year, and, of course, the pressing question that we all need to know, where is Buff? Here's Tim Stapleton on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's up, Tim? How you doing? Not much. Thanks for having me on. I was just thinking about what you said. I said this earlier, obviously, but, you know, I always wish if I had better line mates, I wouldn't be on a podcast talking about me selling beef jerky. But other than that, things are good. Things are good. <laughs> well, you've always had a Hall of Fame uh, 
sense of humor, that's for sure. Hey, first off, I mean, how is the how is the jerky game? How is life after hockey, being a dad? And uh, you seem to be a lot of quite busy. We'll get to the podcast in a minute, but I uh, was always interested in your story of getting into the South African beef jerky. Oh, I still wonder how I did myself, but it's it's it's. There's a partner of mine that that uh, majority owner this this guy named Jim Mullins who. I live by, and he, he, his family's a, a big Irish Catholic family that made all the ketchup for McDonald's, and, and he lived out in South Africa. It's a long story, but um, he kind of just, I remember in 2018, I was playing in Germany, and I was sitting in my hotel room, uh, and my teammate at the time, you know, roommate, was just like, is this your last year? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. And then, like, Jim called me and was like, hey, you want to be my Bill Tongue Parker? And I was like, done. I just retired. That's what I told my roommate. And I went home, and, and that was the rest of history. And, you know, I'm learning a lot. I, I think for me, it's a lot of just progressing. It's no different than anything in life, really, just trying to learn and get better and sell. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty bad at it. But yeah, it's good. The product well, speaks for itself. What are the days like for you? I mean, are you hustling? Are you on the road a lot? I mean, is it? Uh, I mean, coming out of the pandemic, it's just a lot of Zoom meetings. I, I mean, mean, I've now- trained out my slice in golf, if that's what you mean by hustling. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we got a little bit more of a straighter tee drive. But no, it's it's actually hard. It's I'm, I feel like I'm still like transitioning. I think that's no joke with with any athlete or in probably any transition with anybody in life. It's just. Um, managing priorities, you know, I feel like I'm doing this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on call. I'm the only guy like kind of like employee aside from Jim. Um, but like the day-to-day stuff, it, it's just me at the moment. We're, we're a startup. Um, but yeah, I think overall it's just learning, you know, kind of creating that structure and, and that schedule. I used to be told like be on the bus at eight, you know, use the bathroom at eight thirty. like, you know what I mean? Like now it's like I wake up and I'm like, you want me to create this? But I'm 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 transitioning still, but it's yeah, it's busy days, and then there's days too where it's pretty pretty relaxed. But it's it's just kind of learning and trying to make things better with the business. For those people that don't remember uh, our uh, previous visits, talking about it, what is Bill Tong? I mean, no. Yeah, oh, I, thought you were just about, I thought you were going to say if people don't remember who Tim is. No. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Most people don't. Go ahead and Google. There's a thing called Google. You can. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, fill people in on what the product is, the Biltong, not it's, your it's career. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now you got me. Now I got to, like, sell right now, so I'm nervous. Let me get my cue cards on this one. Um, it's like I didn't I didn't know it was healthy until I actually read the back of the package. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, a, it's like an, it's a South African beef jerky, and the reason I say that is it's actually not beef jerky, but, you know, over here in the U.S. or, like, North America, that's what we know. And it's an air-dried curing process. That's what biltong means. And it originated in South Africa. So it's a South African-style um, curing process of – they do any animal out there. They do – you can you can, you can biltong anything. Um, we just do beef here in the U.S. And it's very similar to beef jerky. It's just a little bit healthier option. You know, it's uh, no sugar, um, less sodium. And for me, I, I can honestly say it is kind of like it does benefit someone who is trying to eat better. I'm not saying you're going to skate faster or score more goals. I'm just saying that it's just a healthier option and, and it's good. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. It's just more of a, you know, trying to get it out there and get it in the people's hands. Now, uh, in addition to, uh, of course, uh, the beef jerky biz or the biltong biz, um, you hooked up with Chris Nyland, and we had Knuckles on a few weeks ago. And we're talking to him about a bunch of things, the playoffs, the Habs, and 
you know, it sort of came out that he was working with you on this podcast. It was we were hard like, for him to kind of admit that, wasn't it? <laughs> no, man, he was fired up about it. He sort of told it to come together. But from your perspective, I mean, you're, of course, a Hall of Fame guest on Spit and Chicklets. And people weren't aware. I mean, we obviously remember you from that magical year here in Winnipeg with the team coming here. But um, I think a lot of hockey fans maybe were introduced to you through that. And that is the platform that um, got you quite a bit of notoriety with biz and wit. Oh, uh, I, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'll, you know, I have to like tell people, like, I also played hockey. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not like, you know, like, I, I went and skated. I haven't skated in like a couple of years, but the one time I did in the last year, because I live like outside, I live in Indiana and hockey's not that popular. Chicago's obviously close by, but I skated out in like, this rink in Michigan it was one of those like pickup hockeys and where like the manager from like Chipotle is telling you like how open he is back door. And it's like, dude, I see you. I play, you know what I mean? So I'm like trying, you know, just to, you know, just be patient with it, have fun with it. But, but when I got there, people just right away were like, are you like the Stapleton? I'm thinking, you know, from spin chicklets, like tell us a Russian story. I'm like, guys, you know, I played hockey and, you know, I'm in witness protection program from this whole episode. And, you know, things haven't been – no, I'm just kidding. It, it's – I love those guys on the Chicklets. I think – I have so much respect for them. I think they're just so – not only are they good people, but they just speak organically and they – you know, what they've done with their show. And and, and speaking of raw knuckles, like, that opened the, the way for guys like us to kind of come in and try something. So, I, I they, they're the top and they're the Mount Rushmore, and I just – I'm a big fan of them for sure. How would you uh, – tell us uh, about getting together with Nyland. I mean, you just get a call going, what the heck? You want to get yeah. on here? And then yeah, – uh, and he said you guys did the first ones in person, if I'm not mistaken. No, well, it was – yeah, he just called me and was just like, you're on, you're doing a podcast. I never met him. I, you know, he just bullied me into <laughs> – you know, I just show up. I don't even listen to the show. I just show up and act like I know what I'm talking about. Um, no, we crossed paths through, you know, just post-career stuff. Um, and uh, I know he he had a situation with his old his old profession. I think it was like radio or something with maybe TSN or, or whatever. Yeah, it was the, the station in Montreal. Yeah, and so then he started this podcast with his producer from his uh, documentary. And then, I don't know, like, I know we met a little bit through the Zoom stuff. And then he just kind of threw my name on the table. And then, like, it was, like, kind of funny because it just, like, we just all met on Zoom, actually, to start. And we just started kind of bringing people in and recording them. And we were, like, recording, like, people as, like, mock guests. Like, we had the producer's son on, like, 17 times. It's like, dude, I don't want to interview <laughs> I don't want to keep interviewing this year. And I played with him, Dylan Reese. And it's like, you know, it, it just kind of all has gone, you know, kind of like week by week. It's been fun because there's, I'm learning and, and it's been a lot of fun. And Nux is awesome. And I, and I did go to Pittsburgh and meet him in person. And it was the first time anyone in the game of hockey's ever saw me in physically and been like, wow, you're a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> And I'm like, man, that's the best compliment I've ever heard. Usually people are telling me to stand up and, you know, whatever the short jokes are. But he's an awesome guy. He, he's no uh, – I mean, as everyone knows, he's got his story, but he's also a no BS, just honest person, and I'm, I'm grateful to be able to kind of be working with him. Tim Stapleton's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Tim, what do you remember – when you think back of your career, I mean, you played all over the place. I'd imagine that 11-12 season here in Winnipeg, moving from Atlanta, the excitement around, it must stand out amongst uh, um, at least the atmospheres that you've played in. I mean, now that we're sort of 10 years plus uh, removed from it, when you think back, what comes to mind about uh, that season here with the Jets? We were – it was 
Yeah, that's a good one because it's definitely like the best year from all aspects of, of a, you know, a year could be, I guess. Like just for me, like I was put on waivers and then I stuck around and then I got to play, but it was just in the city. And like, I always laugh and just say we were the lovable losers because like it didn't matter. I know now it matters, right? Like they like playoffs, like, you know, like winning and losing. Then it was just like, they were happy we were back. So we were just like, it didn't matter. We can win, lose. And we were just welcomed. And for me, yeah, it was awesome. Um, not only do we have a great locker room and, and, you know, obviously the fans, I always say this, I've probably repeated this before, but it's just funny coming from Chicago and Chicago's like a hockey. They love hockey. They love the Blackhawks, but they don't love hockey kind of type. Like, you know, if you're at a bar and there's a Blackhawks game on and went over, they're not putting on like the Columbus game. Right. Yeah. And so like, where I'm going with this is like, you go to a Hawks game, everyone's just like yelling shoot from the red line and like having a party and fun. And it's great for the game. But in Winnipeg, they're so knowledgeable, all of Canada. And I could go to like, you know, go to the dry cleaners and the guy there is like telling me like what we should do on the power. And I'm just like, man, were you just in the meeting? Because you're exactly right. Like, you know, so for me, it was just kind of like that almost bubble. Like it's hard to explain. Sometimes I'd come back into Chicago and like just be like, why is no one recognizing me? Like kind of attitude, you know? And so I was kind of, you know, maybe brainwashed in that way. But overall, it was it was awesome for me. It was it was the best year of my life, um, especially for my career. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I would if I could do that all over again, I would. You know, we've had a lot of discussions on the show about coaching. Uh, of course, Maurice leaving, Dave Lowry come in and now Rick Bonus taking over going into next season. But I've got to ask you, when someone asks you about Claude Noel, what comes to mind? He seemed like such a character, at least for us to deal with in the media. I always say, like, for for me, he was awesome because he kind of, like, gave me a chance. But he was, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. He was different. Um, I never played for a guy that was just, like, so kind of positive, like, spiritually almost. It was just, you know, when I got when I got put on waivers, I, like, packed my bag. I took it to, like, I think I was staying at Wheeler's house or, like, the airport. And, you know, I 48 hours, I knew I was going to clear waivers and go to St. John's. And Claude called me, and I knew it was like the exit speech, right? Like, you're, you're, you know, and he did. He gave me like the top six. You're not a top six guy here. Like, good luck, you know, whatever. And and two days later, I cleared waivers, and Chevy was like, hey, we don't really have any extra. Like, come back to practice, you know? So, like, I came back, and I'm walking in with my bag, and the first guy I see is Claude, and he gives me a fist bump. He's like, you're still here, you know? And I'm like, man, this guy. You know, and I just, for me, it was just a moment of, like, this guy's something. But he, I... I I know guys maybe had, you know, their, their differences, but for me, it was, he was great. Um, just cause he gave me a chance and, and kind of was honest with me. And I thought overall Claude is, is a great person and he was a good coach for sure. I think yeah, he knew the game, you know, he was, like you said, he was animated. No, he was an all time beauty. I'll tell you that. I mean, yeah. uh, we weren't in the room and obviously the team, uh, you know, had its ups and downs, but there was never a dull moment when Claude Noel was around a microphone as well. And I mean, to go from there to Maurice, I mean, we sort of have been spoiled, at least from a soundbite perspective in Winnipeg. That's for sure. We'll see how things go. You know, with free agency um, in on the calendar right now, I wanted to ask you, Tim, about, I mean, you know, you went, what, you played in the KHL in three different spots, the Swiss League, but for guys that are sort of bubble NHLers, 
What is this time of year like? I mean, we spend so much time talking about Johnny Gaudreau deciding whether he's going to take nine and a half million for eight years and, you know, the other top guys. But what are the more rank and file? Like, how stressful is it? And um, and what's going on? I mean, when you go into the first day of free agency um, in your position, what are those conversations with your agent like? Well, first off, I, I didn't have the Johnny Gaudreau problems. I wish I did. Like, you know, maybe I'll take seven million here or whatever you just said, but it was more just like, am I going to play hockey or like, am I going to go like bag groceries? Like, no, I, it, it, honestly, for me, I was a mental, you know, I was my own worst enemy at these times. I, I think I signed a one-year contract pretty much my, you know, my whole career, maybe one year I signed a two-year thing with Atlanta, but um, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and I think anyone can, can agree that's in that situation of, uh, you know, especially when you're an NHL guy and you don't know if you're going to, you know, are you going to go overseas or are you going to stay? Um, you, you're kind of the unknown. Um, but the, the talks with the agents, um, usually, I don't know. I mean, it all depends. Like, you're going to – it really depends on what you want and, and what's realistic. Um, you know, for me, it was always trying to be in the NHL. So I was always, like, hovering around, like, you know, can I get a one-way, this and that. But um, I don't know if I'm making any sense here. I'm kind of rambling. So I, I think the question you're asking, though, is as far as being in that situation where you're a free agent, you're a bubble guy, it's not the, it's not the best thing sometimes. You, it is just a worry and just kind of like, what am I going to do? Um, but usually it plays out. I think guys that really want to play in the NHL try to stay and, and play in the NHL. Some guys that want to make money, not saying I don't know who does that. I don't know who just leaves and goes over for money. Like I, I don't judge those people, but I understand it. Uh, what's the conversation like when uh, you realize that the best offer on the table is going to Russia? Um, like, was that a hard sell on you or was it obviously no, this is the best deal? Let's take it. And I'm going. It's a, that's a good question. But like, there was a lockout and we knew that. And I was talking to Winnipeg and like Winnipeg wasn't like saying like, don't come back. They were just kind of like, you know, going to figure out a few things. And then, and then it was kind of discussed that maybe I, there was a fit to come back. I wasn't going to like make any more money. It was just like kind of, do what I was doing, be that, you know, kind of like utility guy and play like fourth line and don't have to fight and skate as fast as I can and not get scored on. And then like maybe play the power play. And I was all for that. It was just the lockout and the money that I was getting in Russia. just kind of at that point, you know, made sense for me. And then when I got to Russia, I mean, I had a good year and then I played in the all-star game and, and just kind of from there was just the right move for me. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I wish the lockout didn't happen. I, I think, you know, maybe I could have kept playing. And I mean, the NHL obviously for me was, was a, was a dream. It was something that was never in the cards. Like I went over to Finland my first year of pro. Like I never, I think my best offer was an East coast league, which, which is fine. I don't, you know, it wasn't like I was too good for that. I just went over to Finland on a tryout. I had an agent who's the Florida GM, Billy Zito, who was very, you want to talk about the the conversations we had at these times? I would be like talking to him. He'd be like, Brian Rafalski's call. Hang on. Like, you know, <laughs> he was pretty honest. Like he's awesome. And and so I would just be like sitting there like, so am I getting this two way or what? You know, but you know, I, I, I was very lucky to have him. He worked for me, but yeah, no, I, I went over there uh, just at a time during the lockout. And then I eventually had to stay. Yeah. You know, that uh, just quickly on Finland, because I mean, you were undrafted through four years of college where you had some great numbers at Minnesota Duluth. I mean, it's a very unique path. Um, but you mean tore, tore it up in Finland. I mean, what was that like? And was the NHL, did, did you see that as a path to the National Hockey League or 
did you go there as, hey, I want to keep playing and uh, I've got an opportunity in Europe and that's where I'm going? Yeah, that's that's exactly right on the second part there. Um, it was late August, too. It was like August and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was sitting up in Duluth with just guys I played with in college and I ended up playing in the AHL like right when college ended. So I kind of like, I played nine games with Portland and I was like, it was just not what I wanted to do at the time. I wanted to like, finish my year out with the guys I played college with. So I was like in Portland and I didn't play well. And I think that kind of hurt me actually. And then, yeah, my agent at the time just had a, he, his whole thing was finding these guys like myself that, you know, he had a guy like Billy Lano and Tim Thomas and, and Brian Rafalski and just guys that might be overlooked. And at the time in Finland, he had his connection and his players over there and he had Finnish representation and, and partners and, at the time, this is when, like, Tuka Rask was in the league. Anthony Niemi, I think Pecorini, maybe. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I don't know why. I can't remember a 6'6 Finnish goalie. But, no, I think he was in the league then. I'm not sure. But where I'm going with this is they were getting heavily scouted. And so I played in Helsinki, which is, like, the main city, and there's always scouts at the games. And, and for me, I think as I was playing throughout the first year, I signed the second year and that's when I was like, maybe I'll just, maybe I can play some years in in Europe. And then after my second year, I got an offer from Pittsburgh and Toronto. And I just, uh, Toronto was like a signing bonus thing where they gave me like a bunch, you know, some money on a signing bonus. And I went to Toronto and Pittsburgh won the cup. You know, like I always, you know, there's, there's many of these decisions that I look back on and, and I think what if, but I, I don't. I'm just kidding. I actually am very happy with how everything turned out. But yeah, I ended up in Toronto and just kind of went from there. Outside of the National Hockey League, uh, number of seasons in the KHL with a number of different teams, the Swiss League, Finland, Sweden, Germany. What was the best place you played and what was the worst place you played? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, it's a great question because there is a difference. Like the, all the leagues are different. And in the KHL, the reason the KHL is the best league is because it's just like they're depth players. They're, they're born players. The Russians are so really good. Um, you get to like Switzerland, you know, like their depth guys are like they're like doing three jobs. And like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just saying like you get there's just more depth in, in, out of Russia. But the best place I played was in Lugano, Switzerland. And it was uh, a city that's like borders Milan, Italy, and like it's right by like Lake Como. And it was just like this. Every day you woke up and there was just like this postcard type kind of view. Um, and the and they were nuts. Like Switzerland's fans are nuts. Like they'll like like barricade the the bus and not let you leave and like threaten like death on you if you don't win. It's like crazy, but it, it, and it's fun. But there's a lot of pressure on imports there. That was probably the best place I played. I wouldn't say it was the best like year for hockey, but. Overall, um, the best place to play, the worst place had to be this place. Either, I don't know, Neftahemic, it's called, Nizhnykomsk. And it's just like, you know, our, ah, yeah, our water was like brown the whole year. Like we had to like, I mean, I don't even want to, you're going to get, I'm going to get like, you know, who knows? I'm going to go back into the witness protection. This This will be the last time anyone's ever seen me. So (laughs) it was just a rough place, but it was also, it was weird because it was like they really supported the team. And, um, you know, now that I'm done playing, like joking aside, like I actually am really happy that I went to Russia and did all that. I mean, it was kind of quite an experience for sure. Do you know, uh, do you know any dudes that are still playing in the KHL right now? I can imagine like everything. I mean, it sounds like the national hockey league is having some issues with Russian players, but what it must be like for North Americans that have been making their living, 
going back there in the midst of uh, a really crazy oh, yeah. time. I'm not sure. I know when I was there, um, I know like Nigel Dawes, but he's gone. I think most guys are gone. That's a good, like, good question. I have to look that up. I, I haven't followed too much on that. I just know when I was there, like the, there was a team in um, Don, Donetsk, I think it's called, in Ukraine. There was a team. And like by the second year, like they had played their playoff games in Moscow because their like arena was like bombed. Like you can see, you can read about it. It's pretty crazy. So it's kind of like now that what's happening, um, even back then there was stuff going on. But I, as far as when I was there, I was lucky that, you know, none of that was really, um, you know, big news, I guess you want to call it, or, or, or a threat. And, and overall, when I was in Russia, I was pretty safe. I got paid professionally and I, I probably had a good, a pretty good experience. My biggest issue in Russia was me, right? Like it was... <laughs> It was me just like the way I looked at things and the way things happened and how I reacted in my head. And it was just probably me complaining. But um, yeah, as far as what's going on today, obviously it's really sad. Uh, but I don't know anyone personally, or maybe I do. I just have to look. I'm not sure. Tim Stapleton's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you're doing the uh, the biltong. You're doing some podcasting. You've still got a lot of connections in hockey. Have you thought about uh, ever getting into hockey more um, as a profession, whether it be in a front office, in coaching, or are you pretty happy the way uh, the path of life has taken you right now, Tim? Uh, coaching's tough. You know, I get my kids, I got a seven-year-old who's just starting to play, and, like, I don't know. I mean, they. I don't know. Like, I, that level, like, I know you just talked about the NHL, but, like, that level, I, I can't. I don't know if I, how to teach someone how to like take a slap shot. It's like, I don't know, just shoot it, you know? So it's kind of, uh, it's fun being a fan of my son today. Um, but as far as I would love to probably do something back in the game at a level of, uh, you know, a pro level, I think player development, um, would be something I would like to do. I don't know if I'm could be like in the front office or I don't know, but like I said, probably have to, uh, Half the staff in the NHL are probably don't even know what, you know, I mean, they're, they're like looking me up, right? Like, so like, they're like, who's this guy? They think I'm related to Pat Stapleton, who's like, looks nothing like me. Um, but no, as far as, yeah, of course, I always have passion for the game. I think I do have to pay attention more to the, today's game. I don't watch it too much. It is a different game. I mean, you got, you know, you go on social media is nuts. You, you, there'll be like a kid like shooting a piece of bread in a toaster and everyone's like, put him on the power play. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this crazy skill going on in the world. And, and it's just crazy to how the game is. It's fun to watch for sure, but it's different. But your original question, this is what happens. Is I just ramble. Um, yeah, of course I'd like to. If, if there was an opening, I would be interested. I'll tell you what, the kid with the piece of bread, even you having not skated for a couple of years, there might be a spot on the Blackhawks right now. Um, have you been paying attention to the teardown that they have right? right now? I mean, that to me is one of the most interesting stories in the league. Not, I mean, everyone knows that they'll be near the bottom, but you know what happens to pillars of the organization like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane? And then the other guy, Seth Jones, who just signed an extension that kicks in this year. I'm not sure whether this is what any of those guys signed up for. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that was crazy. I know Kane's rumored to be going maybe to New York or something, but it sounds like it's going to be just a whole, you know, new, you know. Because I was through the whole time. Like, that was, you know, I was almost jealous when I came back from Winnipeg and, and all of a sudden Chicago was like this hockey city, and um, which it always has been, but even like, the youth and everything. It's like a hockey state now, Illinois. You know, it used to be just like Minnesota, Massachusetts. Now it's Illinois is one of them. It's great. But um, I was through the three cups and, and watched that whole thing happen. So 
as a fan, I guess it's going to be weird for sure. I don't know. Like I know the last time they were awful, like you can like hear a guy sneeze in like section 300, there was no one going to the games. Right. So I don't know, you know, I'm sure they're going to keep fans and all that stuff too, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be new for sure. No, duh. I mean, I remember working for the moose at a time and being out and I mean, the wolves were packing more in the giant yeah. ashtray known oh, as yeah. the Allstate arena. than well, you couldn't even, I, I played with Ryan Vandenbush and he said he was doing like a promotion thing on Michigan Avenue, which I, you're probably familiar with, but it's like a big shopping street down. In yeah. Street. And he was wearing his Blackhawks jersey, like giving away tickets and people were just like, I'm good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like giving them the Heisman, like, hey man, like you know, I got better things to do. And it's so today, it's like you can't even get a ticket. So it's it it, it has the way it's come around. It's been been awesome, not only for the sport, but for the city, for sure. Yeah, well, it, a long ways to get back to where they were. That's for sure. Tim, this has been so much fun. People will kill me if I don't ask you this on the way out. Have you seen or spoken to Buff, the legend oh, yeah. of Bigfoot? Dustin Buff? He's like Bigfoot. You know, you really know, is he real? Is he? <laughs> we know he's real. I actually am, and not, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think he's going to, I was able to kind of get him maybe on my show, the Raw Knuckles podcast. So hopefully that happens. But yeah, I talked to Buff. He's like, you know, fishing. I don't know. Half the time since his, you know, Buff, he's, he's, uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to communicate with him still. And, and he was a great teammate, great friend. And yeah, he's definitely, uh, he follows hockey. I mean, you'd be surprised, you know, he's still like is, is I think he skates once in a while, but yeah, he's out in Minnesota, but he's, he's real. <laughs> That's what you're asking. He's, yeah. I don't know. Well, listen, no, we, we know. I mean, it just, uh, you miss him. Haven't seen much of him. And, and let's face it. He is one of the true unicorns of nhl history and the thing is that's about watching him on the ice and what he does but certainly from talking to guys like you and teammates and just the interactions we had from him he's as much a unicorn off the ice as he was on yeah he he was a freak and then um the thing about him is that he was someone that he just wanted to play hockey right like he just wanted to come to the rink and just skate and play hockey and and he didn't have to do those other things that, that are required for, for most, but he was definitely one of a kind. And, and I always say, like, he's from this small town in Roseau, Minnesota, and, you know, he came, all of a sudden he became big buff, and he came out of there as big buff. And I think, you know, over time he just didn't want to be big buff anymore, right? So he's a very just laid-back, awesome guy, human. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a privilege, and, and I'm very lucky to be able to, Play with him for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, when that, if and when that happens, you let us know. We'll bring you on beforehand to sort of promote it. And I guarantee you, uh, every single Winnipeg Jet fan that has access to the internet will be tuning in to hear that because you're a lot uh, of pressure on me now. So maybe let's, uh, yeah, but you know, I'm not saying that's 100%. I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, I'm going to do my best. He said, we'll see. It's buff. I mean, I could talk to him one day and then not talk to him for like a year, but. Hopefully uh, it works out. Tim, this has been so much fun. Thanks for doing this. All the best with the family and the business. And, uh, of course, uh, Raw Knuckles, just quickly let people know where they can find it and uh, when you guys will be cranking out shows. Well, yeah, I think you can find it on everywhere um, as far as, like, podcasting, Apple, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Um, And we're releasing on – you know, there's a producing team that does this. So, like, I haven't even listened to a show. (laughs) I hate hearing my own voice. So it's just I just show up and just – I don't know, act like I know what I'm talking about, but we have changed. We were like every Wednesday, every Thursday, I think. Like, I don't even know. You're going to get me fired. That, that's what the, the question just got me fired. Um, but, yeah, it's weekly. 
and it's awesome. It's, it's, you know, we're obviously revolved around hockey to start, but we're really trying to just kind of get people's journeys in life and like how they got there. And there's some pretty cool stories and, and, you know, we're not trying to so much just be hockey and, and hopefully that that's what eventually happens. And, um, you know, we're not going to be a spit and chicklets. Those guys are, those guys are Mount Rushmore and, and they're obviously um, paved the way for, for guys like Nux and I to try this. So we're trying to be a little different, but we're, we're learning and yeah. Definitely take a listen. I think it's pretty good. For folks watching on the YouTube stream, you can see Remus just had it up. It's Raw Knuckles with uh, Chris Nyland and Tim Stapleton. Can they see your office? Can they yeah. see your yeah. <laughs> Always sunny. It's always sunny. Well, it hasn't been always sunny. Yeah, in Winnipeg. It's like snowing I'll, for real. I'll but... tell you what, dude. If, you had, if we had had the winter this winter when in 11-12 – the vibes around the team wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> it was freaking <laughs> miserable this year. I, I listen. I've lived here my that entire life. Winnipeg. That's that was, you know. You're like you're like running. You're like mad. That's how cold it is. You get in your car and you're just like you're just screaming. Hey, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm surprised we don't uh, create more sprinters from uh, this city because um, the Winnipeg shuffle right. that sprint I mean, from the car to the car, door. I was the worst man. I was just like like it was yeah. So. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think your view is awesome. That's what we're talking about. Tim, appreciate it, pal. Um, lots of love from you in the chat here. Winnipeg fans um, still remember that year and uh, your contributions and uh, certainly some epic visits with us on our previous home and our new home. Let's do this again soon. Have a great summer. Anytime, guys, and thanks for having me. Oh, man, how good was that? All-time beauty lister. Tim Stapleton, check out Raw Knuckles wherever you get podcast. Uh, Tim teaming up with Chris Knuckles Nylon. All right, Marbles coming up in just a second, everybody. Of course, tonight at the game, there'll be some CC flowing in the Rum Hut, the uh, Brugal Rum Hut, of course, maybe uh, the Jim Beam Stillhouse, and uh, everywhere because, of course, Canadian Club is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But if you haven't already tried the drink of the summer, the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, also available at the game. You'll see plenty of them around. Make sure you pick one up and try it if you haven't already. And you can get Canadian Club products. And the CC and Ginger at most beer stores. And, of course, CC, the original at all Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, hey, if you're not going to the game tonight, Boston Pizza might be a great place to take it in. Of course, they'll have the big game on the big screen with sound and, of course, great specials for happy hour between 3 and 6, 9 to 12. And their new summer menu, including carnitas, tacos, pizzas, and the pizzas flights are back as well. Check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Assiniboia Downs will be back with live racing on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. And we'll get back to our picks. Thanks again to everyone that came out and joined us on Tuesday night. For our first Winnipeg Sports Talk night at the races, we look to do it. Uh, we'll hopefully do that again later on this season. We had so much fun. Uh, but asdowns.com for all information on the track. You can make reservations for that amazing prime rib buffet that we all enjoyed on Tuesday. And, of course, you can also get an uh, account at hpibet.com and bet remotely on Assiniboia Downs and tracks around the world as well. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We'll get to our cool bet picks in a minute. Uh, but we have some things to do. I guess first things first, Remus, let's open up the registration for Marbles. 
And I will remind everybody, if you're new here, this is uh, maybe the highlight of uh, all of our week, the uh, annual Friday after the weekly, I should say, Friday afternoon marble race. You do have to be subscribed to be a winner. So make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, hit that thumbs up while you're at it. We'd like to get that number up above 200 for today's episode. Uh, we've got a, a Canadian club Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, our version of the Masters green jacket for our winner. I think we pretty much got all sizes, although we're out of double X right now. So I'll uh, pre I'll, I'll let you know on that. We do have a couple other hoodies, some cool bet hoodies and a DraftKings one as well for the double X size. Uh, but the raffle is open, exclamation mark marbles. Put it in the chat. We'll give you a couple minutes to do that. Then we'll grab all the names and uh, get ready to drop the marbles. Let's get Remus back in here. Man, that was fun talking with Stapleton. What a beauty he is. Yeah, I was a big fan of Tim Stapleton when he was here. You know, he's kind of like uh, the underdog, smallerish guy. He was on the bubble uh, with the with the Jets, as he said, put on waivers, but they told him to stick around. He played the power play. He was also really good at NHL 11 and 12 on EA Sports. So I was him on Xbox. <laughs> I know one of those guys who kind of had a low rating, but he was he was quick, really really good. So uh, nice to see that. That was a great great conversation, a lot of fun. No doubt. Check out Raw Knuckles wherever you get podcasts as well. Um, of course, Stapleton with Chris Nyland. So listen, while we get the uh, marbles ready to go, listen, I'll get the cool bet lines in a minute, but we got to give a big shout out to our guy, Rick Delane, because the Winnipeg Sports Talk car, Remus, is uh, it, it, it's basically bomber-esque right now. Back-to-back -back wins. And we got to give a shout out to Rick for uh, rocking the WST logo and uh, most importantly getting another checkered flag yeah back he has won again one last night this is from of Rick last week and there he's going around and uh he's got the wst on his the hood of his car and he's got it on his jacket as well embroidered and that car is so awesome we were in it last year <laughs> it's so neat yeah so shout out to rick and here's the interview they said who do you want to give a shout out to huss and he, he mentioned us. Well, great Beautiful. job. Any sponsors that you like to thank? Yeah, the Westbrook Manufacturing and uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk came on new last year. And uh, you guys should check them out. They're uh, kind of the last sports show in Winnipeg. They talk about the races. It's uh, definitely worth checking out. And there you go. Rick, taking care of the fellas. Right on. Oh, man, Rick's such a great dude. And uh, for those of you that are into auto racing and heading out to the Speedway, you're well aware of uh, Rick, but uh, great to partner up with him. Big congratulations from your boys here at WST. Uh, all right. While we finish up the uh, marbles, again, exclamation mark marbles in the chat. If you would like to join us and get in, it's completely free for all you newbies. Just trust me, do it. You're going to want to be involved. Let's check out our cool bet lines for today. Um, I'm not sure. Do we have updated open numbers right now? We do. Okay, my guy Cam Smith, who I gave you on the lock shop at 30 to 1, is the leader right now, and he is plus 185 to win the event after 36 holes. He's got a two-shot lead. And then there's Rory McIlroy, who's three back, plus 425 for Rory. It looks like he's going to be playing. I'm not sure if he's going to be with uh, uh, Vic Hovland or if Vic got in uh, or DJ 
but anyways, I mean, just a star-studded top of the leaderboard right now. And don't forget about Masters champion Scotty Scheffler as well. DJ and Scheffler, 11 to 1. Vic, 9 to 1. Cam Young, 8 to 1. Rory and Cam Smith at the top of the leaderboard as well. And as far as the Canadian Football League games tonight, what do we got? Bombers, Stamps, this game opened at four. It went to four and a half. It's now three and a half for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the money line is minus 189. Calgary playing plus 155 on the road. Uh, tomorrow, we got a CFL doubleheader. The game uh, touchdown Atlantic out on, in the Maritimes is going to go between the Riders and the Argonauts. The Riders, two and a half point favorites. Toronto, plus two and a half. And then the finale, somebody's got to win this game. I guess there could technically be a tie. But uh, either Ottawa or Hamilton will finally get something uh, outside of a loss. And the Ticats are seven point favorites against the Red Blacks, who, of course, acquired Nick Arbuckle uh, this week. Uh, Ottawa, plus 235 on the money line. Hamilton, Minus three oh three. All right, um, Remo, you want to wrap up the uh, wrap up the entries? Sure, I can. I can wrap them up. We do have some NHL signings here. Uh, former Jet Zach Sanford, one year, eight hundred fifty thousand dollar contract with Nashville. A bit of a pay cut from not a last bit of a pay cut, a big pay cut. The last season. Well, I was trying to be nice, but you don't want to tell him that it's a big. Well, I mean, that's the situation for so many guys. I mean, they're just looking for jobs right now. We've talked, and Brandon mentioned, I mean, like 20 teams in the league have less than $5 million cap space. So, I mean, they're prioritizing um, the guys that they're really making a run for, and now we'll see all the other dominoes sort of fall with a number of players that are forced into, you know, taking one-year deals at near league minimum if they want to stay in the National Hockey League, and that was the case with Zach Sanford, who really didn't have too much of an impact during his time with Winnipeg coming over at the trade deadline. Yeah, he made um, 1.5 mil, sorry, sorry, 2 million last year, 2 million last year. So he's basically making half as much money, more or less, more than half pay cut, Huss. That's a pretty big pay cut. So uh, we'll see. There's, you know, as far as, you know, free agents, we're still waiting on Kadri, still waiting on John Klingberg, but Paul Stasny, is one we're kind of like, where is he going to go? Is he going back to Colorado? Uh, P.K. Subban, Phil Kessel, Patrice Bergeron, what's he up to? And Nino Niederreiter was, I thought he's a pretty solid player for Carolina, but where is he going to land? So, a couple. If I'm the Jets, if I'm the Jets, I'm doubling back to Stasny and whether it's upping the offer or doing a full court press to get him back for another season. Um, you know, if, like, if you think about the way the room was last year, and that was with Eric Comrie and Paul Stastny, and Stastny, who really became the conscience of the team. Uh, like, I don't know what this team is like without those two individuals in particular. And then you add in the center ice position with the uncertainty of Pierre-Luc Dubois, even more so than Mark Scheifele right now. And I'll tell you what, if the Jets could get Paul Stastny, that would be a, a, a big, big signing although I won't hold my breath because as he has said publicly or through his agents, he is looking to play for a contender. And I'm not sure based on the off season uh, that many people are thinking the Jets are a true Stanley Cup contender, at least at this point. Okay, how about this? The Jets haven't announced their assistant coach yet. What if you had Stasny as a player slash assistant coach? Because at times he kind of seemed like he didn't have a C on his jersey, but he did seem like one of the leaders 
in the room. And now I'm kind of ha- half I don't jo- know if he would joking. want to do that, yeah. but I'll tell you what. Sign me up for that. I mean, yeah, that's the sort of guy that I think would be uh, that the Jets need, frankly, right now. They need a lot of things. A um, couple other signings. Morgan Frost uh, gets a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers for 800 k um, and just more and more depth signings right now. Brad Hunt in Colorado, two years, not hearing what the uh, the numbers are. John Hayden in Seattle. Martin Furk, one of the few NHLers without a vowel in his last name. He's signed with the Is there, uh, is there others? Blues. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Yeah. He's got a bomb of a slapper, Marty Furk. Played with uh, Ehlers in junior. I don't know if you knew that one with the Halifax Mooseheads. <laughs> a couple defense signings for the Leafs. Uh, Victor Mete, I think we might have touched on that one yesterday. League men, 750. And same with former Jet Jordy Ben signing as a depth defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, let's drop these marbles. Um, let's uh, add in Tim, Tim Stapleton Remo to the list. Yeah. Uh, and let's put in Ed Tate and Rewicki, our guests today. Um, anybody else that we uh, that we should get on so far? I guess Big Save Dave. Let's give Big Save yeah. Dave well, a, thing, uh, a, a, a marble. One thing about Dave, this is coming up in our chat. So you mentioned Bufflin at the end of the Stableton interview. You know what number Dave Riddick has worn the last couple of years? Hmm. 33. 33. Do the Jets. No one's worn it since Bufflin. I don't think that was a question that came up yesterday. I wonder when they're going to announce the numbers, man. If we're going to have to pour one out for thirty-three, if uh, if he wears it, or you know, if they're struggling to sell tickets, the chat came up with a great idea, and we've kind of talked about this to have Buff Night, Big Buff Night, where oh. you give a big tribute. I you could sell that out, show highlights. Um, That's a great idea. I don't know whether it he's ready for that yet or the organization's ready for that yet, but it has to happen at some point. It has and to. when that happens, it is going to be a uh, because let's face it, I mean it's such unfinished business. I mean, I know we're we've moved on so far from that whole episode, but I mean, he went out to the Iceplex, skated a little bit with the guys the day before training camp and then came in and said he was out and then the entire soap opera that went along that yeah. season um, and then that was it for Buff. Um, you know, they did the buyout or they did the, the termination of the contract and he never played again in the National Hockey League and he is probably the greatest enigma in the National Hockey League in a number of decades, uh, but also one of the most popular and memorable players that has ever worn a Winnipeg Jet jersey. So uh, count me in on that. Heck, give Big Buff a marble as well today. Tur- just Turk uh, Ferguson says, we need Buff closure. And there was also a shout-out to uh, Rutger McGrory, who was on earlier this week. Rutger, great conversation. definitely. Let's yeah. get, get... You know what? Rutger and uh, and uh, Brad Lambert. For the sure. Jets' two first-round picks. They're getting marbles today uh, today as well. All right, we ready to go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got 174 nice. marbles. 167 entries plus our one, two, three. is probably seven. Yeah, I can add. That's... Uh, Nicely done. Folks, just make sure if you haven't already, hit the uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Hit the red; it's completely free. And it'll, uh, if you're wondering what that means, uh, it just means when you get onto YouTube, 
the latest content from Winnipeg Sports Talk will be amongst your uh, your top choices. Makes it a heck of a lot easier to uh, to join us and to find us. And of course, the other thing is, if you do want to turn your notifications on, it'll give you uh, a notification every day when we go live. Usually at one o'clock, but notifications are handy for days like Wednesday. Uh, where we sometimes do go on either earlier or at special times if there is big news relating to Winnipeg sports and in particular the Winnipeg Jets. All right, the green jacket of WST is ready. The WST hoodie, as I mentioned, I think we still have all sizes with the exception of double X. Um, Remo, what? Uh, where are we going today? Let me pull it up. Sorry, I had to top rope someone. Someone oh. was abusing the command. They had to get get buff, buff is in chat buff has entered the oh, chat buff's and in says, here? nice if that goalie wears 33 there will be a problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buff buff in all capitals yeah in chat. <laughs> welcome buff we miss you <laughs> oh that's oh, that's, that's pretty good, good okay stuff. i gotta make uh, sure i put the actual like this day's uh name list in because last week i did not Update yeah, we just kept list. on doing marble races over and over until we finally got it right. Okay. It's a game. I got to get tailgating. We got to pull this off so, in a timely fashion and correct. Let me... Well, let's go to the theme music. And then we Exactly. Can... Tristan Rivers' music is queued up, ready to go. It's Friday afternoon on WST, and we're just about ready to drop the marbles. All right, we've got the uh, entries. Thanks to everyone for coming out and jumping in on our uh, weekly marble race. Again, we've got this hoodie for first place. We'll get uh, the winner to email us at winnipegsportstalk.gmail.com afterwards. And uh, Donnie, I know Donnie had sent me a message. I'm going to be out of the town on the weekend, but Donnie will hook up uh, early next week and uh, get you set up after your big win last week. A lot of talk. Has there ever been a back-to-back winner? No, there hasn't. And we'll see. Maybe that could possibly happen this week. I kind of doubt it, though. It would be a 1 in 174 chance. Um, Remo, what, uh, where are we going today? We just hit the dojo? Cosmic Chaos? Oh, how about Cosmic Chaos? Sure, Cosmic. We just did the dojo last week. Did we do? I think last week, well, I picked a bad one and we had to redo it. Last week was a bit of a cluster, so. Yeah, we ended up in the dojo after uh, after a couple near misses. I think it was, yeah, as a, Kevin Kowalik says it was an all-timer. We're not going to talk about what happened last week. <laughs> We're moving on. Yeah. We're focused in on the next marble race, which yeah. is right now. Everyone in the chat. Good luck. Thanks for being with us. Been another amazing week. Appreciate everyone joining us on YouTube as well as on the podcast. And if you are and uh, talking on the weekend about what's going on in Winnipeg Sports, tell a friend about WST and where they can find us. All right, Remo, let's drop the marbles and get ready for Bomber Stamps tonight. Oh, All right. Cosmic Chaos. Everyone, everyone looking to be the first marble down the tube. Where and who will be first? Whoa, sorry. Ernie Thiesten? 
Let's see who's going on here. This is you got quite the we've got quite the view here of the marbles right oh. now, Reem. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, here we're out. Dino's in first. Dino, nicely done. Cosmic chaos right now. <clears throat> oh, this is insane. Yeah, this is uh wow, it's like a roller coaster. Multiple tubes coming back as well. Uh, we see Art Cooper in the mix there. Oh, relaxing. Dino Apostolopoulos in the mix. Who's first out? It looks like, uh, oh, Art Cooper. Art Cooper getting shot in with a little bit of a lead right now. Although this is anybody's race. I see Sean, uh, Mitch, the Godfather. Mitch, WHT looking pretty good. But who's coming out first? We have... Oh, bye, yo. Oh, bye, yo. In first place right now, David Asplund in second. David, is that David Riddick? Save <laughs> Dave right there in the mix? I'm not Pretty sure. Pretty and Pionk, a former winner. I see Pretty. Oh, now, Bravo Bry. Bravo Bry, longtime WST supporter. Yet oh. to win the Marmots. Oh, top roped been eliminated who gets through barry that was an absolute heartbreaker for bravo bry theo seegers now in first place and we are getting very very close this looks like it's theo seegers to lose will he get it done theo seegers at the wire theo seegers with the w david asplin in second d train Pretty and Pionk, Derek Schmidt, Infinity Comet. Your top 10 are as follows. Brad Lambert, Jets' first-round pick with a great performance in his first mobber race, finishing top 10. Miller times in there. And the godfather, Mitch, with the top 10 performance as well. And Jet Oil Tom. Jet Oil Tom's been hot. He won the bomber tickets yesterday. And uh, in second place. All right, well, we're finishing it up. And again, of course, we will do the, the rundown of the full list because I know many of you DJs like to bet each other on who did better <laughs> in, the, uh, in the race. So we will make sure that that's there and you can go back and check it on YouTube. And uh, there's Shane Mason filling it up. Theo Seegers, congratulations. You just beat 173 other marbles to win the marble race on WST. Theo, send us an email at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let me know what size you are, and uh, we'll try and get you hooked up at some point next week. You can pop by and pick it up. Um, there you are. We're kind of looking. Uh, it's your boy Bruce. What up, Bruce? You got uh, 20. Rucker McGrory at 21st. That's uh, quite a good performance. Interim coach at 32. Slee Mitchnuck. We keep that going down there, Reem. Let's just see what else we've got. Gitch Lishka, 46. Not bad. Eric in the 50. Oh, Doug Phil. Oh, David Riddick finished 69th. Nice. Uh, big save. <laughs> yeah, big save, Dave. Uh, was in there at the start, but obviously got caught up a little bit later on. Just keep on going down. I see Phyllis there. Mark A, big buff. Big buff came in at uh, 87th. Tim Stapleton at, what, 96th? Yeah. My boy Todd Furtani. What up, Todd? 101. 
And then again, it all goes down to the final marble. How many people got DQ'd? Oh, there's a hundred. So 50 people got thrown over the top rope. Yeah, something like that. Excellent. All right. Well, anyways, thanks again to everyone for uh, participating in today's marble race. And uh, Theo, congratulations. Uh, send us that email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And we'll get you set up next week. Uh, gang, what a week it's been. Um, again, a sincere thank you from Michael and myself for uh, the incredible support. These shows, you know, we're in the middle of summer right now, and uh, we continue to grow day after day. Certainly our subscribers continue to grow up, and we really do appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, we'll tell a friend about WST. And uh, we're both at the Bomber game tonight. If you see us, say hi. And most importantly, drink a little water beforehand, get a couple cold ones in there, and get ready to get loud when the Stampeders are on offense, and we'll see if the Bombers can continue their incredible run on a home field as well as to begin this season and get to 6-0. and oh. A big thank you to Tim Stapleton for joining us. Man, that was a lot of fun to get him on the program this week. Of course, Brandon Rewicki and the incomparable Ed Tate. Make sure to check out BlueBombers.com for post-game reaction and all of Ed's takes on the big game tonight. That's going to be it for a couple days for us, though, folks. But we'll be back on Monday afternoon, 1 o'clock p.m., We'll see whether there's any more PLD drama, maybe a move by the Winnipeg Jets, maybe some more depth signings. Who knows? Whatever happens, you'll hear it here, and we'll talk about it for you on Winnipeg Sports Talk, YouTube podcasts, wherever you get your feeds. Have a great weekend. Hopefully, we'll see you at the Bomber game. Go Blue. We'll see you Monday. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.